Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular TV shows an indiscriminate amount of episodes at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm not getting political here, guys. But I will admit something on this podcast right here and right now. I'm voting for Pedro. I mean, I'm Alex. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 32. It's Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yup. How you guys doing? It was my birthday yesterday. <laughs> we're good. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking for Alex as well. We're we're both good. Um, good. good. Uh, no, I'm not good. It's I, I lied. It's fine. Uh, yeah. We are. We're fine. We are. T- I'm just. I'm just cutting through all this. We are talking about the first <laughs> three episodes of Game of Thrones season eight this week. Um, felt that was a good cutoff point why did we go all seven episodes of season seven uh and then and then break this one up so much into, into much smaller increments i have no answer for you we look just, you look know. people people question the pacing of the last two seasons we just it, wanted to fit that vibe, it's on okay <laughs> we planned it perfectly um yeah so we are talking about winterfell uh, directed by david nutter and written by dave hill a Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, also directed by David Nutter and written by Brian Cogman. And then The Long Night, directed by Miguel Sapochnik and dire- er, directed by Miguel Sapochnik and written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, sometimes known as Dan Weiss. Uh, we're, we're here, guys. We made it. Yeah, um, this is the end game. Our, our IMDb scores, they're still, they're not quite the reason that I talked about the IMDb scores, but they are, they are definitely the the reason, cause I've, I've been building up. Uh, we, we, we've yeah. had eight seasons of payoff, uh, to, or eight seasons to payoff, I should say, uh, that we gotta, we gotta rip off here. Um, you know, I, I, I forget at, at moments like this, I, I just get like a beautiful realization of something that I had forgotten, which was, Oh yeah, this was building up to the IMDb scores <laughs> <Yes>. for this <laughs> season. Um, I'm giddy now. <laughs> so this, so this first three, I will say, is still not quite the reason I chose these. But I'm gonna I'm gonna mention them because they are still definitely worth addressing. And then I'm gonna give a little tease of next week as well, um, because uh, the first episode Winterfell has a seven point five. The second episode of Night of Seven Kingdoms has a seven point eight. And then the Long Night has a seven point four. Now, previously, and let me double check. Yes, okay. Previously, uh, do you want to? I'm, I'm guessing you guys can probably throw out what the uh, like by far worst rated episode was of uh, the show up to this point. Uh, kill it's the boy. The... <laughs> what, did, what did you I'm say, kidding. Alex? Pretty I, you're right. I... <laughs> It's it's whichever episode that that uh, Sansa gets raped. Yes, um, un- during unbound, season five, right? Yes, unbound, yeah. unbent, unbroken. Uh, do you yes. want to guess what the rating of that was? It's probably like an eight point six. It was. I'm going to say eight point oh. It was eight point oh. Yes, correct. Whoa. Okay. Uh, wow. So uh, that was previously by far the lowest. Like I think uh, the like every other episode was at least like an eight point five, eight point six. Uh, that one just obviously because the controversy got more focus and, and was brought down more. Um, so uh, first of all, we've decided that all three of these episodes are worse than that episode. Um, so that's our, that's right off the bat. That's where we're at. 
that's what we're working with. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tease the fact that the thing is get much more drastic next week. Mm-hmm. Um, because currently, mm-hmm. the average, uh, and I actually haven't recalculated this. I think some of the numbers might have changed a little, but it's about right. Um, the average of Season 8 is a 6.4. Um, that is the average score of Degrassi, the next generation, on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so, seems Which also, I believe... Featured a wheelchair-using character who would go on to bigger and better things. Drake. Um, I, yes, I, okay. I, I, I... On the couple of these episodes, checking the old IMDb trivia, they mentioned how the ratings for these episodes were like closer to like 8-something, 9-something... But then after the overall backlash for the season, right. they lowered substantially because I guess people were like, no, I'm going to wreck the whole thing. Yeah, no, correct. <laughs> Which is That's exactly it, yeah. So much, um, so much. Because if you don't like something, the most rational thing you can do, the thing that's really going to help change things for the better is to just spam that dislike button. <laughs> and if you don't like something, it's probably means that the entire season was bad and not just <laughs> a particular episode um, or two. I don't know. Yeah. I, this Ch- is all new to me. Change, Create fake accounts. <laughs> change.org. Petition. HBO. <laughs> this this <laughs> thing you've just done that has generated maybe the most like widespread um, discourse about a television show and brought you tons of attention. Um, the show that continues to be uh, like one of the most popular shows streamed um, a, a year out from its uh, very controversial finale, uh, yeah. HBO, just just redo that. Can you, can you just yeah? Can you just not. Yeah. After I've you released words. a whole documentary saying why that was the most you could do, yeah. um, and ha- just how much work had to go into it to make it. Yeah, yeah just do it over again. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Same with Star Wars. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> Star Wars is less fine. Yeah, you're I, right. I don't know because I have not seen the finale. I know, I know, largely the problems people have with it. I'm, I'm gonna assume I'll like it more than I liked Rise of Skywalker. Sure, the low I'm bar. I'm going to still. assume that too. <laughs> I just did. I give Rise anyway. of Skywalker like, F minus. I think you did. Good. All right. Just making sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a disappointment. Um, Anyway, I liked all three of these episodes, though. <laughs> so yeah. season eight is off to a bang for Britain. And this is another interesting thing uh, that I do want to mention is that uh, episode two in particular, actually, a lot of people praised quite a bit. Um, I think people kind of latched on to the fact that they could separate it from Brian Cog- or from David Benioff because it was, and D.B. Mm. Weiss because it was written by Brian Cogman. So they could be kind of like, ah, he knows, he knows Game of Thrones. He can do the thing. <laughs> Uh, he's he's better at this, and, uh, and so. Anyway, um, does anybody want to go first? We have obviously a, a limited. I mean, I guess we're, we're basically now ranking them one, two, and three in terms of the episodes because by default, if we choose yeah. the best to worst episode, we are leaving a middle episode. Um, so, if, uh, anybody has strong opinions about how they want to go about this? Uh, I, I can, can go, go first. Oh, oh no! Oh, all right, oh. fine. <laughs> uh, see, see, we're gonna we're gonna start with the more negative, and we're gonna build our mm-hmm. way up. Mm-hmm. That's that's what there we're we gonna go. Do. There we go. Okay, now think of this in a positive light. And I didn't hate these episodes either. 
Um, it was actually nice kind of rewatching them. I've, I've only seen season eight once back when it was airing. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting experience coming back to it all. Um, ultimately I think I like these more this time around than I did last time, but I still, I don't know how much of my complaints are nitpicks or whatever, but I feel like I could kind of complain about these episodes to death, um, despite really liking them. Um, my least favorite episode is probably going to be episode one, Winterfell. Um, and I, I, I find myself entering this interesting paradox where I semi and, and I'm I'm speaking a little bit ahead. I I semi agree with people that are like, oh, this needs to be stretched out. It needs to be longer. Like we need to more time to breathe with some of these characters mm-hmm. before the things that happen in the later episodes happen. Um, but I feel like episode one half of it can be cut out or should have been in the previous season. Um, I almost feel like we should start this season with Jamie showing up to Winterfell. And using his quote-unquote trial as a way to establish our status quo and sure. kind of the relationships between a lot of the characters. Um, I feel like just having a little bit of a time jump there would actually help quite a bit. Um, I, I I understand what they're trying to do with certain scenes, like the, the scene where uh, John and Daenerys are flying around with the dragons. It's showing John. You know, oh, hey, John is learning to fly a dragon. And then it's also trying to establish, oh, hey, they're in love. Um, problem is, I don't buy them as a relationship. I don't think, unfortunately, Emilio Clark and um, uh, Kit Harrington they don't have much chemistry. Yeah, at least for these characters, it's in a um, uh, weird spot because uh, y- yeah. you're trying to follow up a relationship, um, a, a show relationship that eventually led to a, a real life marriage um, between yeah. John and Egret, yeah. and then you're trying to recapture that chemistry for the same character for a different character says yeah uh it's it's difficult i i kind of just and i understand why it's important because i know ultimately how they try and pay it off ultimately i i for me that a lot of that stuff falls flat i kind of just wish they they were just kind of friends and allies and left it at that sure. um and not explore a love story um that that feels and eh, it's just not it's not very well handled in my opinion um and the fact that this the first episode in particular focuses a lot on that instead of other things with Daenerys in particular that I feel like we should be really honing in on given where she ends up. Um, I, I know we've kind of established in in previous episodes we've discussed like oh there are things building up to kind of decisions Daenerys does make, but it feels weird how she's. I don't know. We don't really deal with a lot of that stuff in these first three episodes, and that might just be because we're dealing with so many characters meeting up and interacting. Um, I don't know how how you fix a lot of this stuff and make it, you know, quote unquote, better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, in terms of pacing and trying to move things along and really set the stage for for the battle, um, I, I just feel like a lot of the stuff in 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 that episode can be either cut or moved around. Condensed. Like, yeah, like like Theon rescuing Yara, that mm. that should have been last season. Like that should have been put in the last season and him deciding, Oh hey, I'm gonna head to Winterfell as well. Like I don't know why that's here. I almost <laughs> they almost could have gone away with gotten away with not showing us that scene and just having him show up and be like, Yeah, yeah, rescued Yara, I'm here now, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> it does feel like we're missing I, I th- and I was noticing this because I was kinda thinking back on the structure of the entire show. 
Um, if you look at the traditional uh, ten episode structure, where they, you know, sometimes they'll have a big thing happen in those first five episodes, but usually it's the slow build, and then eventually we pay off around episode eight or nine with something really big, and there's kind of this big climax of events and crazy stuff happening, and then our denome is I, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce that um, is episode ten, where you know things kind of calm down and we address the aftermath and kind of resort things. Um, and I noticed this, I, I didn't think of this at the time, but I talked about how I really enjoyed the pilot episode of the last, that's, I guess it's not really a pilot, the first episode of the last season. Um, mm-hmm. And I realized, I think part of that is because Winds of Winter is such a big, bombastic season finale, really the only, I, I mean, one of the few uh, t- episode tens that like is more explosive than anything that's happened in the season up to that point, maybe the only one. Um, and so they use a lot of that uh, season seven episode one is kind of like this stepping back and calming down. And this one's kind of, I think in the same place where the last episode of last season was like the most sort of eventful. And there was like so much to unpack from that. And then we're having to take a lot of the pieces that are left from that and put them back together. But also this is a more condensed uh, season in general. So that we're like, We've got a lot of other stuff and pieces to move around, and so I think it's almost crunched a little bit. Um, and I don't, I don't know that that's the last time that I will understand, see, see and understand that argument for an episode this season. That it kind of gets stuck between two bigger things that are happening. Um, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I just just to wrap up kind of my thoughts on the first episode, um, just like even how it ends with. Uh, kind of torment and Beric Dondarrion reuniting with Ed and then they see the little kid burning and it forms the like it's a cool scene but I we know the White Walkers are coming like we, redundant information let's move on they can just sh- show up to Winterfell and John be like I thought you were dead and they're like yeah and we we had to basically run around the White Walkers because they're on their way um I don't know I feel like the show because it's trying to focus and give like little payoffs and moments to all of our different characters, it's not focusing enough on the important stuff that will have to be paid off in future episodes. And I know, Britton, you're kind of at a disadvantage because you don't necessarily know all of that stuff. Right. Now, you, you kind of broad strokes know, but a lot of it yeah. you're just like, oh, hey – like it's it's it is cool to see all of our characters kind of finally really interacting with each other and getting some screen time. But for me, yeah. I I had this constant sense of like, all right, get on with it, let's move on. <laughs> we got a battle to plan for, <laughs> um, which is really what episode two is about, and uh, that's that's kind of my favorite episode. I feel like that one that really gets into the character interactions that I was excited for. Um, like the opening with Jamie's kind of like I said, quote unquote trial, and we're really kind of examining him from like everybody's perspective, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that really helps to establish. I don't know. I I, I just found that really really effective, and and having Brand kind of step in for him, and uh, you know, kind of realizing like, oh yeah, Daenerys would hate his guts. Oh yeah, <laughs> like helping to to give us some more of that backstory that isn't necessarily at the forefront during the show um, beforehand. Um, but yeah, I liked basically all the stuff prepping for battle. Um, 
I know there's kind of weird things that people like to, to make fun of or complain about, like Arya sleeping with Gendry, um, which it's a little weird. I'm not really against it. Um, just based, you know, just based off of what that means for Arya's character and in terms yeah. of like life versus death and mm-hmm. celebrating life. And then ultimately going on to defeat like the ultimate embodiment of death. Like I love mm-hmm. when I see it that way, I love it all. Um, I do have a bit of a problem with, oh, we end episode one with, oh, John in the crypt, there's a reveal. He finds out about his true parentage. End of episode two in the crypt. John tells Daenerys about his true parentage. So once again, so, some redundancies, but um, yeah, episode two, I, I really liked. Um, and episode three is a good bit of fun, but uh, I've got some logic problems. So I've, I've, I've talked long enough. Somebody take it away. <laughs> yeah, mine are the same um, because this is the first time I've seen these episodes. Most of my experience watching them is just under just just grokking the events. Just like, okay, what's happening? Where is everybody? What are they doing? And you know, just very, very basically, how do I feel about it? And I felt really good. Um, episode one is my weakest simply because I didn't like it as much as I liked two and three, but I still like, there's still a lot of really positive things in that episode that I really enjoyed seeing. There's just a lot of like character interactions that I, I really like. Um, I will note on it, the boy who is running around at the beginning to mirror Arya running around at the beginning of the series. Is it, um, uh... is, I was wondering about this, and I, I, I should have, like, tried to look it up. Is it supposed to be Arya or Bran that we're kind of evoking? Or maybe both? I think it's Arya. Because okay. I know Bran climbing as well. As yeah, I, I think it's sort of a, a, sort of a, a composite of both okay. of them. Um, he is played by an actor who would go on to play Paul on Raised by Wolves. Sure. And when I, when I re- realized that that's who that was, I wrote, is that Paul from Waste by, Raised by Wolves? Oh, screw this. And so it was like immediately, like, oh, season eight sucks. More like Raised <laughs> kid, by Dire Wolves. This kid's gonna... Uh, oh, there which you I go. don't even... I feel like this you've kid... made that joke on this podcast, Britain. I don't think I have, okay. shockingly. Because I'm I still... I don't talk about Raised by Wolves or the fact that I've seen the entire first season <laughs> Which is it. why that's going to be our next, uh, next series for the podcast. <laughs> our, is, uh, our next venture. Yep, about the very pouty small boy Paul. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. But uh, and also, well, I'll save that for later because we have we got stuff to talk about. Um, my favorite episode. I'm gonna say episode two. Um, there's just a lot in that episode that I feel was written for me. <laughs> that I think D and D looked into the flames and said, "Britain's gonna watch this the night <laughs> before his birthday." What, what what's a good what can we give him? What's something for for Britain? Well, here let's give and Tyler, you said that there were three scenes in particular that were tailor made for me, and I'm very interested to know what what, uh, those three what exactly scenes are in your mind. Because um, there were many many things in this episode. I yeah I I forgot to mention just well you know oh yeah good just uh, Brian's knighting. Uh-huh. ceremony like that's maybe the best scene of this episode if not maybe the whole season now that i'm thinking about it so no, it's, it's, good. it's a nice moment. there you go um britain i did say i said at least three because i was counting on yes, at least handle yes. okay. um brand's nighting definitely 
one of yep. those that I figured that we could shoot. Um, I don't that even know if I would break this into multiple ones, but like Jorah's the the sequence where first Jorah is talking to uh, Lyanna Mormont, and then also yeah. uh, <laughs> Sam, Sam giving him heart pain is I think uh-huh. beautiful, and I knew that would uh, that would tickle your fancy. Um, oh, and did. then also I was thinking about the little girl Davos talks to. He's like, "I'll defend the Crips," um, yep. which is lovely. Yeah, well, it's Davos and Gilly talking to a little child. Yeah, I was yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Um, um, the other one I would add on to that, the the three all-caps notes I have for this are Jorah gets heart's bane mm-hmm. and wall bros, because I was so happy <laughs> when John and Ed and Sam reunited. Mm-hmm. And then pod song, because pod was like, hey, I've seen Return of the King. I'm going to do that real quick. <laughs> and I was like, really? It'll Please help us win do. the battle, it's I promise. Great. <laughs> I love when they reveal that a character can sing. I love when TV shows do that. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot to, uh, that I can crack into in that episode. But it's everything Alex said. I mean, I really like that they, rather than taking an episode and splitting it into half prep, half battle, they said, let's just make those two episodes. Yeah. Let, let's just really have all these characters. Let's have some emotional payoffs. Let's tie up some loose ends and, and just stuff for the fans and for the characters. Let's just do this big love letter where these characters are talking to each other and having these conversations. Um, yeah, like there's a lot we can get into about it in, in finer detail, but yeah, I just thought it was was really, really good and is was the episode that Waldau submitted for his Emmy nomination, and I think he should have won. There I said it. <laughs> I love Peter Dinklage, and I'm so glad he won his fifth Emmy for uh-huh. it, but also you can slide a little of that love Waldau's way. Yeah. Because, oh man, he's so brilliant. Um, I, I'm also going to go with Winterfell as my weakest. Um, I think I have a stronger defense of it than, or like I, I feel, I enjoyed it more probably than than y'all did, at least in relation to two, because I found myself actually mm-hmm. um, thinking that the two of them were pretty, like, a lot more on level on each other's level than I remembered sure. when I first watched the show. Um, yeah, I, I just felt like. There's a lot of really... They're two different approaches to this sort of calm before the storm thing. Um, but I think there's a lot of really great lines and, and fun stuff going on in there that I'll, I want to talk about. Um, I think I noticed also just a lot of the sort of evoking of the first episode of the entire series that I quite I, yeah. I quite liked. I mean, obviously, it's winter is coming versus winter fell. That's That's mm-hmm. fun. Um, but then, like I mentioned, we've got a, a young child in Winterfell again. He's hanging around. Then something horrible happens to the to him at the end of the episode. Um, and then we've also got. Uh, oh, that was a different kid. That was a different kid. Are you sure? It yeah. At the end of the episode, it's Ned Umber. Yeah, I thought that was um, Ned Umber who was running around. Yeah. No, it was a di- it was okay. a different boy. Weird. That was just like a Winterfell kid. Well, either way, we have a young child getting horribly yeah. murdered, <laughs> or <laughs> right, seemingly murdered, as in the first episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the uh, basically we throw in the King's Road theme in like all its glory, uh, which is something that got mm-hmm. a lot of play in the uh, especially like the first half of season one. Um, that comes back when we've got Daenerys and her armies marching into Winterfell, uh, which is a lot of fun. Kind of harkening back to uh, King Robert coming to Winterfell in the first episode. Um, I just think that's uh, there's a lot of really good stuff with that. Uh, we you know the. Um, ending of that with uh, Jamie seeing Bran and the fact that Bran is sitting there and Sam comes up to him and Bran's like, oh, I'm waiting for a friend. Uh, hey, go go talk to John. 
and then he's in the yeah. same place, and Jamie shows up. Oh, it's, uh, it's hilarious yeah. and lovely, and, and Jamie's face is great. Um, I, I think there's a lot of good stuff in there. We'll we'll talk about it. Um, I'm gonna actually go with episode three as my best. I sure. I, I feel like after You're I watched close, right? I watched episode three when it when it premiered, and I was just glued to my screen. I was alone in the dark room, and I was just like, "This is like, yeah. I am amazed by this." And then I went on the internet after that. And I think I've been in this long, like, it's very similar to sort of a Last Jedi situation for me, where I think I just got so embroiled in, like, the online discussion about this thing that I really, really enjoyed and had, like, a really visceral, like, oh, this is this is great, this is the thing I love. Um, I, I had that kind of response to it initially, and then I got stuck in this, the, you know, all the, the season eight stuff. Um, right. that, that people were talking about at the time. Um, and watching it again was very cathartic for me to be like, wait, no, I do love this. I think this is fantastic and great television, and I'm uh, very happy with it. Um, and I get, obviously we'll get into discussions of why um, people did not like it, and I'm sure y'all will agree with some of those complaints, and I might agree with some of those complaints, but I think this is like a top five episode of the series for me. Like, I, wow, I yeah. thought it was, just watching it again and like appreciating more about like how their uh, massive, horrible slog of a production paid off in terms of like what you actually got to see on the screen. I think there's a lot of stuff there that I did not um, realize the first time watching and that I hadn't really gone back to trying to appreciate because I hadn't gone back to revisit the show because it was just so difficult to like form an opinion on if you watch something and you're like, oh, this is, I mean, I think it was very similar to Last Jedi for me where it's like, I watch this, I get out, I'm like, that was amazing. And then I go online and immediately just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. What's happening? <laughs> um, and that kind of then continued to color the rest of the season for me. So I, I'm excited to rewatch that stuff as well. But I think this one in particular had that effect. And so I'm, I've, I've awoken from my, my long sleep of being like, well, you know, maybe I should kind of hedge <laughs> how I feel about this. Maybe, maybe it's not as good as I thought it was. No, I think it's great. I mean, it appeals to yeah. me uh, personally in many ways and I love it. And we'll talk about it. Yeah. I, w I watched it this morning and I, uh, that episode, I, 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 while I was watching it, I, I was thinking, uh, well, I, I wasn't thinking about much of anything except the episode. Like, I have the fewest notes for that episode mm -hmm. just because I was so, similarly, so glued to the... I was like, I just, I, I can't look away. Like, I'm, I just have to track all of this. But I was thinking a lot about the final Harry Potter book where, while I was reading it, I had a lot of like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, I saw, uh, yeah, you tell him, Mrs. Weasley. <laughs> and then, a f like in the months and years that followed or in the case of what I just mentioned pages, I went, wait a minute. I don't, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> like it was, it was like the thrill of the moment. But then later I went, I don't know. And I haven't read that book in over a decade. Mm. I have no idea how I feel about it. <laughs> but what, because I was having such a visceral reaction to these three episodes, I was like, I wonder if this is something that given some time, given some space, I'll go, you know, I really don't think I I don't I don't like that choice or I don't think that worked. It hasn't happened yet, mm. <laughs> um, and we're not quite twelve hours removed from when I watched it, so that bodes well. But um, yeah, I just feel in general like so much of this because so many things are happening. I am having to give myself the the benefit of doubt of like, yo, know, I, I definitely am loving it, but 
I don't know how I'll feel as I reflect on it and as it sinks in more sure. or as I rewatch it, but also like I still really enjoyed it from a pure production level. It is staggering what they pulled off in that episode. And also talking of Harry Potter, this did a more successful version of heroic kid death. Sure. So <laughs> I'm gl- I'm grateful for that. <laughs> Uh, do we want to just go episode yeah, by episode? Sure, let's do it. Okay. So we'll start naturally with season four, episode nine. Yeah. This um, episode. <laughs> so we're going to have to go back to episode one of season one. Um, <laughs> let's go. The longs. This is our long night. Correct. 73 hours, in fact. Um, yeah, so uh, Winterfell. Uh, strong thoughts. G- good leading leading off topics. Anybody have any... Any major thoughts about it? I have some. Uh, I will say the new intro looks great. Mm-hmm. Love the new intro, the new theme. Is Love is it that. weird that when I first watched it, because I, I, I don't know if the plot for the last few episodes had leaked at that point, because mm-hmm. there was like a huge script leak that happened, and that kind of braced everyone for impact, even though everyone lost their minds anyway. Classic um, uh, classic harbinger of, oh, this is this controversial thing is not going to be given the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember going into the season kind of being prepped and being like, I'm, you know, I, I've, I had some reservations about season, season seven. The books are never coming out. People are on online already hate this, like, Basically, I wasn't super emotionally invested like everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of getting into that, I was just like, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the opening titles, which I know is just the weirdest thing to complain about. But I'm just like, <laughs> I don't – it kind of bothers me because it just kind of ruins the uniformity of, of sure. kind of everything else in terms of like, oh, you just did a, a, a new title. Okay. See that was that was I think part of what worked for me about it is like hey this is now things are different things have changed not just in the sense of oh we're we're only spending time in one or two locations so we don't need to cover all of that but also like that for me really helped get me in the zone of oh we're in a new a new eon for these characters like things are changing this is the this is the the end of the of this of the story and to do yeah. that I don't know. I felt like that was a really neat way of 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 getting. It helped me get into that headspace of things are different. You know, this isn't my daddy's Game of Thrones. <laughs> see, you know, see, we're really. The, but I, I I thought it really helped me. See, Britain, this is why you should be alongside me when we watch these now, because then you can have these little asides. I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> for this dope, for this dopey nitpick I have. <laughs> Well, most most of my asides, Alex, will be me putting my hands on the side of my face and being like, Arya saw her friends! <laughs> oh, they hugged! That's a lot of me watching this show. Yeah. I mean, the, the opening sequence is, is cool, and I really like the design. I just, I don't yeah. know. There's there's kind of that OCD part of my brain that's just like, well, it's a, it's a TV show. If I'm looking at the whole thing, keep it uniform. But well, but the, the I would my my counterpoint. Let's not waste any more time. I on would this. just point out they evolve the the opening throughout the entire show as well, where we continue to get different locations and things. I, I really, mean, we get we continue to get different but, locations, but the overall aesthetic I, and design is the same. I appreciate the creative paradox or dilemma because I get the feeling mm-hmm. they probably would have liked to continue to update it, but you have to establish something that is easily recognizable uh, and and sort of like instantly identifies your show to a to a wide audience so you gotta 
you gotta play those two extremes you know it's everything in moderation it's fine um (laughs) the well let let, go ahead go ahead i was gonna say the first note i have for this is that there's an exchange between uh Tyrion and Varys where they're they're joking about the fact that Tyrion's Tyrion's short and Varys is a eunuch and and like it's a funny little exchange and that was something that was one of the first things about the season that people immediately were like this is the worst thing ever david david and dan have the worst writing their jokes are terrible they're all penis jokes this is the most in line humor with the like i mentioned this a few times up to this point and i had forgotten what the actual like jokes were it is exactly the same humor you have been watching for seven seasons people (laughs) it's not yeah it's yeah and also it's dave hill it's not even dnd just... Yeah, yeah. Also, Varys does a great face at the end of that. Uh-huh. When Tyrion's like, he's like, "Well, you you hate dwarf jokes, but you make eunuch jokes." And Tyrion goes, "I'm not a eunuch." <laughs> I mean, essentially, he says that. And mm-hmm. Varys does this amazing face. Mm-hmm. I it's so good. I I will say I'm not sure how I feel about um, Varys's kind of lack of screen time sure. in these episodes. Sure. I know sure. they're planning to fight the Army of the Dead, and what's Varys going to do <laughs> against the Army of the Dead? But it seemed weird that, like, during, like, particularly, like, the, the kind of strategic battle sequence, or just, like, when they're walking around with Daenerys, he doesn't say anything, even though he's supposed to be one of her, like, top advisors. Sure. I don't know. Just just kind of weird. And yeah. they, I, 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 once again, getting too far ahead of myself, um, they do address Tyrion's incompetence. By just saying, oh, that's a thing. Um, sure. And I found that very, very frustrating. How they just kind of lampshade it and move on. Um, I don't know. Which scene are you talking yeah. Are you talking about the scene where... Because, like, I did know that there's a scene where... And I don't remember if this was this episode or next episode. Where Daenerys is specifically like, I'm going to fire you as my hand if you don't improve. Right. Yeah, it was right. uh, episode two, I And believe. so, like, I don't know. For me, that I think that is, like... Enough to be like, oh, she is thinking about this. She understands that it's a problem. She also has him as her advisor because she knows that he is good in terms of, like, keeping her empathetic with people and, like, helping to bring out the good side of her. I think we've done enough. For me, that's done enough to be like, okay, I get why she's keeping him around and I get why she has concerns about him as well. I I guess here's my thing. I wish we had been a bit more even in terms of his wins and losses last season because it felt like he was just – it was screw up after screw up after screw up. I wish it was kind of even – and then the tipping point was him trusting Cersei. Sure. In fairness. Because then then we would get to, get to this point. Basically, we'd have the same conversation, but I, I wouldn't feel like Tyrion was just incompetent for the entire he, last season. He does help help them attack the Lannister train and successfully do so. I don't know. Does he? He's there. He's there, he's but helping. does he do anything? He's, I don't know. He's, I mean, like, I, I thought he, I thought he was just there to see human misery. <laughs> that was his punishment for messing up against against Jamie. Daenerys is like, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you here just so you can see a bunch of people turn into ash. Hey, look um, at your family's <laughs> army. Yeah, they're they're not an army anymore. Uh, also, I would just like to say. Um, D&D, I know you're hiding the Conleth Hill cut of The Long Night from us where he gets in a <laughs> 1v1 duel with the Night King and kills him. Um, I need it. Yep. Release it. <laughs> you hacks. I, he, I, he picks I up Arya's loved... uh, special <laughs> yes. staff and he starts twirling it around like Darth Maul. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, yeah, he goes full Yoda in Attack of the Clones, and it's super awesome. I, w- I wish no, there was I, at I, least, I, like, a blooper. Like, I want to see that image yeah. of, of him just, like, ripping on White Walkers. And... Well, I think it'd be great if it was, like, fire can kill them, dragon glass can kill them, withering looks can kill them. <laughs> and it's just, like, all of these shots, and it's just Varus with his arms and his sleeves walking around, like, mm. Hmm. <laughs> and they're all just like just shattering into ice. They they run up to um, him and, and he's like, Ah uh, yes, very frightening. And they just <laughs> <laughs> Oh look, oh look, you're the Lysa Aaron of zombies. Oh <laughs> Well now well now I do have my confidence. And without my confidence, the whites are nothing. <laughs> I uh I do have a note that I I wonder if the discourse, for want of a phrase, around season eight would have been a little more generous if people had gotten to see elephants. Sure. Because Cersei's very... I do like that Cersei's very upset that she didn't get <laughs> elephants. Did you bring elephants? No, we, they can't go across the ocean, like or the boats. That, oh, I wanted elephants. That really felt like something where they're, you know, when they're writing in the previous season and that does get brought up, they're like, oh, that's going to be so cool when we get elephants. And then as they're writing this and they're figuring out the budget and everything, they're like, we, no, we, we're, we're good. Which, on the one hand, I want to be like, that feels like a very meta thing of like, we don't have the money for yeah. elephants. But at the same time, like, that's a very Game of Thrones thing to do yeah. because they just, yeah. like, they don't show us half the battles that yeah. are talked about in this show. The, my, um, my big one, uh, I, I don't really have much of a problem with that because, I, I mean, for exactly what you just said. My big one yeah. is uh, that the, the books, I think, mention this a lot, and it comes up at least once or twice in the early seasons of the show, where they talk about the White Walkers riding on giant ice spiders. Um, and, and they actually mention oh, behind man. the scenes in, the, in uh, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon, the book they released about the production. Um, they mention the fact that uh, basically they, they thought about that and they were like, should we add those at some point? And then they were like, that's going to be like trying to figure out how to actually animate that and put that in and have their right. movement look good and like have people writing them. Yeah. Like all of that stuff was never going to, to work at least in terms of, you know, their, the other many constrictions they had uh, to work under. Yeah. So I get that, but I'm also sad. I missed them. I wanted, I, I was, oh, I was hyped for them, but uh, such is life. That would have been a lot on me. I uh, I want to talk about the dragons in this episode. Mm. Uh, for, you know, they have this conversation about the dragons are barely eating. What are we going to do? It, it's basically like Daenerys and Jon said, the dragons are barely eating. Let's make them watch us do it. <laughs> and that's like the solution <laughs> to the problem. But I, I... I did feel like there were a few things that get brought up in conversation that are just like put to the sidelines. Like, yeah, that was one thing. And then Sansa is very, very concerned with going along with food, just having enough resources and everything yeah. to keep everyone alive during winter. Um, I don't think that stuff gets brought up. No, because I mean, really, the, again, it, they they have like a day before the battle starts. Like it's yeah. At that point, it's like that. She no, is I, specifically I, talking I mean, about like, lasting through the winter and. Well, I, I think the part of the problem is I don't know when, when they actually kill the Night King. Like, I know he brings the darkness, but does that end winter? I don't think they ever actually say. Sure, but then mm. I'm just saying at that point, then Daenerys' armies can leave. So it's like... Yeah. I, think. I guess so. And I, I mean, like this the, would be I, something I, that would be addressed 
in the next episode anyway. So we can we can relitigate it if you want at that point. It, it would have been nice if at the end of the long night, like the last 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 image was Sansa going, well, guess we don't need as much food. <laughs> and then the end. But also I do like that we have John writing Rhaegal. I said he was really holding down that R2 button to hold on, to give, keep his grip. <laughs> but I think that, um, I, I was reading a thing that said there's apparently some sort of prophecy or whatever that a dragon rider can't ride two dragons. Like, they only have the one dragon they ride. And so that might have been why John didn't ride Drogon last season. Mm. Um, so I'm like, oh, okay, hmm. yeah, okay, okay. That's, That's interesting. Intriguing. Um, uh, also, Rob McElhenney is in this episode as an Ironborn who gets uh, an arrow through his eye um, from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Mac. Seems good. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, something uh, about the dragons that I do quite like is that uh, they give us an excuse uh, early on in this episode for a big, nice aerial shot of Winterfell. Just yeah. to really establish, like, here's where Winterfell is. Here's where the uh, the Godswood is. So we can tell, like, what are what's the yeah. logistics of this. And so I think they do a good job of that. Uh, multiple times using the dragons is kind of like a reason to get a perspective farther away instead of just being like here's a big wide shot um a lot of the time when they have stuff like that happening um and this goes into the long night as well where when the battles can't or the dragons can't see things you can't really see things as a viewer i think they do a good yeah. job keeping that consistent um but we'll get into that um the what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. The, um, I think the show, especially in the last few seasons, got really good at um, using sex scenes in a way that wasn't ever like played just normally. Because uh, in this one, mm -hmm. we do get Braun trying to uh, sleep with some prostitutes, and Kyburn yeah. just walks in. <laughs> He's like, hey, <laughs> hey, we need you. And then yeah. he has this great line where they're all walking out, and uh, one of the girls like tries to like hit him up, wants that sweet maester money, I guess. Um, and he's like, <laughs> poor girl, she'll be dead with pox within the, within the year. And, uh, the, the way he delivers it, delivers it alone is great. But then Braun also is like, wait, which, which what, who, huh? Which one? Cause I was, I totally started with one of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I did want to ask if either of you found it distracting that Kyburn is the one to talk to Braun. It's not like Braun gets taken directly to talk to Cersei. I, there is a backstory yeah. behind this that I'm sure. Yeah, I have the answer for that. No, yeah, no, I okay, think the answer. I, it was yeah. Sorry, continue. Yeah, do, Alex, do you know the answer for this? Yeah, so uh, I don't know the name yep. of the actor who played Bron. Uh, Jer Jerome Flynn and Lena Headey were in a relationship years ago, and apparently, don't know the details. The falling out was so intense that they have it clauses in their contracts that they will never appear. They're never on set at the same time. Right. Um, so that's probably, it is, it is, I guess a little strange, but you can also kind of chalk it up to Cersei being like, I don't want to busy myself with Kyburn, you go do it. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wanted to ask if you, either of you found yeah. it distracting. I think it's, which I mean, we haven't seen either of them interact before, yeah. so it's, it's, right, yeah, it's right. been a thing throughout the show and I think we probably should have brought it up last season because there's the bit where, um, everyone's in the big, like, dragon pit, 
before Cersei and her crew walks in, and Bronn grabs Pod, and he's like, let's go grab a drink while the the, the big men oh, talk. And yeah, then he walks away, yeah. and then Cersei comes in. They do that a few times. That uh, I think it, it maybe becomes a little bit more distracting, because Bronn is now like technically working directly for her. Um, yeah. But, I mean, it's... They, I think they find decent ways around making it a big deal. Yeah, it, yeah. those are the only two moments where you feel like, oh, they had to figure out yeah. a reason for Bronn and Cersei to not be in, in the room together. Because um, otherwise, yeah, it doesn't really. Like, I wouldn't have known about it if I didn't know about it. Yeah, right. Um, which is the way most knowledge goes. <laughs> but... Uh, but... I wrote uh, down for this episode... Yeah, it, oh, sorry. Did you have a... No, 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 go ahead. That was just rambling. Because I was going to say, I wrote down for this episode that I think Euron works a little better in this episode, uh, but there sure is a lot of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I wrote that note, he stopped showing up. So, you know, <laughs> fair. Um, he has a good line where uh, he's kind of being very bold with Cersei, and Cersei's like, I've executed men for, for saying less than this, and Euron says, I, I am not lesser men, or those were lesser men. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good line. I think uh, he feels a little more grounded. Uh it's still kind of, and I think part of that is probably because he's working with David Nutter, who is spectacular, uh, as we have seen time and time again, um, might be able to push him in a better direction, push uh, P- Pilo in a, in a better direction. If you yeah. cackle once during this scene, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I was surprised that, because he, he pops up in a couple of scenes, and I was kind of like, oh. This is a big focus on Euron, and then he disappears. And I'm like, well, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and we get a wordless uh, Greyjoy reunion. That's quite nice. We get Yara and Theon reuniting, and we don't. They don't have yeah. to say anything. They're just kind of like, we're, yeah, they they give really them, they give each other the 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 power handshake. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I loved the scene with Sam and Daenerys and Jorah in this episode, which is such a great scene where. At first, it's just this sweet, lovely thing about Daenerys thanking Sam for curing Jorah, mm-hmm. and that's just nice. And But then it turns into her confessing to having killed his family, which is such a great scene anyway. But I also really love the way John Bradley plays it. Yes. Like, his reactions to his hearing about his father and hearing about his brother are so different without being, like, extreme. Like, huh, okay. (laughs) Like, he he plays it so beautifully. I just think that's Mm -hmm. such a great uh, thing. Where where it's like, you know, his his brother really wasn't, like, a bad... He didn't hate Sam. He was just, like... Kind of a brave and loyal, kind of a frat boy. You know, you know that's okay. Yeah, a little, little, little fratty. <laughs> he would have grown up. Um, vi- yeah, sure. Um, you know, I get it, but uh, I, I just thought that was such a great, mm. great scene of of th- that really and and to make Daenerys have to like really confront what she what the decision she'd made, not from like a political standpoint or then having to like defend it, but just like, Oh, this is what happened. And that Sam doesn't argue with her. Sam's not like, what, how could you? He's just heartbroken. And she's like, Oh, 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just think that whole thing is played, uh, just so very, very well. And I was happy to see Ed again. Cause I like, yeah. And there he is. Um, guys, apparently, George Lucas visited the set during this, really? the filming of this episode. I don't know why, but he did. 
I I just think that's so nice to know. <laughs> so potentially, I don't, I don't I George R. R. Martin probably was not visiting the show at this time, but potentially there is a chance they did. There there is a chance oh, that we got a conversation between yeah. the two of them. I'm just putting yep. that out there into the world. George <laughs> on George. <laughs> <laughs> that's I want the, them to do. That's, that's like the Netflix special that's black and white. I was going to say, I want them to do, like, a uh, Siskel and Ebert about, Ooh. like, not even, I don't even know, like, video games. Or something <laughs> <laughs> they're talking about, like, I don't under, I keep trying to press this button, and uh, it's just so slow, it doesn't, the responsiveness, it's not there. <laughs> I don't, so, uh, George, do you want to be Cappy and I'll be Mario? Or, uh, just, which one, <laughs> I mean, it's, well, it's my... See, it's my basement, so I think I should get to... You got to choose all the snacks, so I should get to choose who I get to be, I, what guy I want to be. <laughs> now you see, in this one, you play as you play as the little star guy that's following me around. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, because now you're riding... I like riding, the idea of, <laughs> idea of George co-op, co-op Mario games. <laughs> and Martin being like, no, now you're riding my coattails, Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, do a George Lucas joke in the podcast. Have, play with your friends. <laughs> he he's looking at the designs of one of the White Walkers, and he's going, "That's going to be great." <laughs> and he just keeps saying that over and over again. They're like, "George, George, we we've already had them. Like they've been in other seasons." George, stop, stop. Somebody I stop idea that no one invited him. He just he just wandered onto the set one day. <laughs> hey, what? Uh... Can I be in this one? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's okay I could just be like a Starfleet officer right <laughs> uh, he, he just walks in I will be playing the Night King today <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine that <laughs> the Night King I walks out that. of the fire and he's got his sleeves rolled up <laughs> and he's dueling Conleth Hill <laughs> 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 oh, this is the good. best Star Wars movie I've ever made. <laughs> George, not oh boy. <laughs> Technically, American Graffiti is a is a is a prequel to Star Wars. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it's not. Technically, okay, we're not now, George. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I also noted. So we talked about how this episode has a lot of callbacks to Winter is Coming, uh, like having a discussion about Lyanna Stark in the crypt. Um, but I really liked the mirroring of Jamie, where in the first episode he rides into Winterfell all pompous and takes off his helmet and shakes his hair, and he's like, oh, check <laughs> me out. And then in this episode, he just, like, removes his hood and is just like, uh... <laughs> Furtively, and yeah. And very sheepish. I thought that was great, and revealed his beard. Mm-hmm. It's a good beard. It is. A lot of you good You wouldn't think it would work, show. but it does. Mm-hmm. No, no. Makes it work. Um, and he, he matches Tyrion now, which is fun. That's um, true. I do really like in the uh, crypts as well when, when uh, Sam is telling John about his uh, true parentage. We get a really nice shot of John with uh, Leanna's statue in the background. It's it's obvious it's not like a super subtle thing. It's no, not no. supposed to be doing that, but it's a cool shot. It looks no, nice. No, I agree. Um, Absolutely. And, it, and it's a nice framing. Um, yeah. Was that episode one all sewn up? I don't. 
Probably. The, yeah. the, I forgot to mention with Theon and Yara, there's also a fantastic line that I'd forgotten about where Yara uh, says they, they do the what is dead might never die. Yeah. And then Yara adds on, but it killed the bastards anyway. Yeah. That's great. That's good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, that was excellent. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of fun uh, fun dialogue in that um, well well thought out stuff. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a, a bit of an underrated episode. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I, no, I, I would agree. Yeah, I d- despite my my complaints uh, are more so kind of how this episode affects other sure. episodes or how it could have been better utilized as a single episode on its own. I think it's it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, episode two, I love it. I love, I love Jamie <laughs> going on trial before everybody. I thought that was. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that he would. There would be a scene where he explained to Daenerys, like, "This is why I had to do what I did." But we, as the audience, have already heard that, and has I think sure. Daenerys already knows as Probably. well. So it's like that could have been redundant, but still, I I liked how that cemented him and him and Brienne's relationship and his relationship. and then Sansa's trust in Brienne like I thought all oh, that was really good mm. um yeah I just thought that was was really uh terrific and and Waldo does a lot well, a lot a few times in this season he'll do these little like facial twitches like just this tiny little smile or just this little like you know twitch in his face that is so good it is so it, like that's exactly the kind of acting that I love because I'm I, every time I see someone do that, I'm like, did you plan that, or were you just like so in the scene that it just happened? Mm-hmm. And it's so hard to do that in a way that isn't um, like a gimmick. Uh, but I just I was just nuts about that. There's there's a bit later in in the episode uh, during the fireside chat where he does a little smile after Tormund's like screw yeah, screw tradition whatever. Brand or, or Jamie does this little smile, and I just thought it was uh, just amazing and gorgeous. And he says the thing to Brienne about how he would be honored to serve under her. I just thought that was wonderful. Yeah. Um. The what I was going to say in the in that trial, um, something that uh, I, I noted that I quite enjoy is the it's the second time Bran just spits back an iconic line at a at least non-hero sort of yeah. a. Or you know someone who's not necessarily basically because he he says it to he says chaos is a ladder to Littlefinger last season and then this season he says the things we do for love and Jamie's just like what <laughs> doesn't <laughs> like he, there's no <laughs> Bran doesn't follow up on this thought like he doesn't give any more he doesn't tell everybody like oh this guy threw me out a window he's yeah. just like hey, I'm messing with you <laughs> oh, that's good oh yeah that was great. Um, I have a note here that says Santa greater than Daenerys. Sure. So I guess I took that side. <laughs> I, I was I was going to ask how we felt about Santa this season because she's uh, great. She's basically just like I don't like Daenerys. Yeah. There I said it. <laughs> no, I think it was awesome. I think she's great, and she has such cool outfits. Like her clothing in this season is so good. Um, I like that a lot of the women in power this season have just gone for drapey leather armor <laughs> like <laughs> it's great no i i i i think some of the like sansa john tension i'm a little eh on i get it but but yeah i i think sansa's really good um this season yeah i mean i 
I haven't had as much to like reflect on, but I I, I think she's great still. Well, I think that dis- that conversation between her and um, Daenerys is really good. Um, yeah, both because you see initially they're both kind of feeling each other out. There's a good um, exchange where uh, Daenerys is like, "John's the second person I've ever loved," and she, she's like, "Who is the other?" And then Daenerys says, "Someone taller," and that's a fun <laughs> like they both kind of laugh. Yeah. Um, but I think it does a good job because D- D- or Sansa really tries to pin Daenerys down in terms of like, are you going to like John is the king of the North because the Northerners chose him? Yeah, are, is the North going to continue to be an independent nation after all of this? Like, what where you know are you actually going to allow us to yeah. do this? Because I don't think you are. Like, we're not. We are proud people. We're yeah. you know fighting for our right to have our own independence again. Where do you stand on this? And Daenerys doesn't really like just will not kind of accept that and does yeah. not tell her like, Oh yes, you know, you're going to get be independent. Um, and so I think that's a good place of tension in terms of like where, what's going between them. Obviously there's all, already been the arguments over the food and who's going to yeah. get what and um, her being kind of concerned about that. And I think that conversation though really helps get to the heart of like why they're in conflict and why they're not getting along because yeah. they just, Sansa is not okay with the fact that Daenerys came in and was like, I'm going to rule everything. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, yeah. it's, it works. Yeah. The same. Uh, I, I, I agree. And that likewise Daenerys is like, you're, cha- you're cha- challenging my authority and my power. You don't believe in me. You don't think I'm the best leader ever. Right. I'm exaggerating, but yeah, that there is this key, <laughs> there's this key sticking point for the both of them that they, that they differ on. I agree. Um, I wrote wall reunion. Love all these boy hugs. Um. <laughs> and torment tackling John. Yeah, that was so good. Um, and I like that fantasy Sams always get monologues about stories, because like sure. in just like in Lord of the Rings, Samwell has a line and monologue in this about how like they kill us by but our stories live on, and the real stories are the ones that those are the stories that really mm. mattered, and you know, all that stuff. I thought it was great. Like I, I and, like uh... the very overt parallel between him and Samwise Gamgee. I think that's great. Sure. Um, and also the fact that in that kind of same interaction, uh, Tyrion talks to Bran, and first of all, he's like the only one who really thinks about like, oh, do you need help getting out of here? Like, you're in a wheelchair. Um, and that, I think, does a good job of, again, calling back to the first season in terms of him being the one who gets him the horse saddle yeah. Um, and all that stuff, and the fact that like he feels a sympathy with him because he thinks they're you know kind of similarly treated by society, um, and then also they have a conversation and they talk about stories. I don't know. So, yeah. Maybe they thought about something here. Maybe that scene's <laughs> in there for a reason. Put a pin in that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think overall uh, this episode does a really good job of of prepping for. The, the big battle. Um, something we've talked about before that Game of Thrones is pretty good at not doing and continues to not do is the, uh, I'll, I'll call it the Walking Dead effect. Uh, mm. It's, it, you know, other shows do it. It's not just the Walking Dead. No, no, no. But, but where right. you, uh, Walking Dead is especially bad about it at times, I think. Yeah. Um, but where you have, like, a particular character gets some really heartfelt, like, oh, we're talking about your backstory now or something like mm-hmm. that, and then they die horribly. Uh, yeah. In the next, the in that episode or the next episode or whatever, like we're setting them up to be axed. Um, yeah. In this one, uh, we have that whole conversation of all the people, and I remember this 
uh, th- this will also get into a quick point about the how the internet took these episodes coming out. Um, the the big fireside chat, as you call the Britain with Davos and Podrick and Brienne and Jamie and Tormund, uh, yeah. Tyrion's there. Uh, we've got the whole crew. We've got all these lovable people. They're all hanging out and just having a good time, you know, drinking at the end of the world. Um, and none of them die. And like a lot of people were thinking, oh, they're going to kill off, you know, all these people or something like that. Like the, you yeah. know, basically people had that week of be of, you know, watching that and then being trained to expect that because they made us get really attached to those characters even more so than we already were. Like they were all characters we love, and now they're like really, you know, giving them one last hurrah. Oh, they're going to kill them all off. And yeah. they don't. They kill off other really important characters who are mm-hmm. also getting good development in these episodes. But because it wasn't those characters, people like really focused on the fact that nobody died in the long night, even though that's completely not true. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was really interesting when it was coming out. That was that was a, a particular point of frustration I had with complaints about season eight because like no, the <laughs> the characters that die in the long night have been here since season one. Yeah. Like episode one. <laughs> Yeah, we'll definitely have to talk about about that thing. I do. I did write day worm. Don't talk about the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was one I was like, don't, 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 don't. Um, uh, the, Jamie has a line about the perils of self betterment. I don't remember exactly the context for it, but I loved it and I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, that whole fireside chat is fantastic. You know, I I, I just loved it. Um, I loved uh, Hound talking about how he fought for Arya. That was really sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's a lot in this episode. There's just these emotionally satisfying moments. And and on the Arya Gendry thing, I part of me found it weird because Maisie Williams kind of looks like my sister. So that's part of it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it's funny, I texted her the other day and I said, hey, Arya kind of reminds me of you. Please don't take my face. <laughs> and she said, I'd only use it for cool things. Don't worry about it. Because <laughs> my sister's very funny. But when I was um, I was reading about the episode afterwards and I was talking about how a lot of fans were really uncomfortable with it because, like, you know, when the show started, Arya was a 11-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And it was weird for them seeing her in this light. And I was like, well, were you upset about Sansa being assaulted? Um, it's not that big of an age gap, but, uh, uh, I read a really cool quote from Joe Dempsey who plays Gendry about it. And he said, you know, it obviously was slightly strange for me because, you know, when this started, I was like in my early twenties and she was like 11. So like, yes, it is a little strange, but I also don't want to be patronizing to her. She's a 20, 22 year old woman, like, and we're actors. This isn't real. So like, we just had fun with the scene. And I was like, that's a cool I like that. I li- that's a cool way to like not be not be a creepo and also be respectful. Like that's a g- good job, Joe Dempsey. I like that. Um, I didn't. I think Alex, you made a really good point about it's her embracing life before she erases death. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I that scene didn't feel like salacious to me at all. It just it right. If anything, it felt like hey. I imagine a lot of people talked about this ship or something earlier in the show. Yeah. Let's do it. Like, let's just have that happen. And like, well, I thought it was, I thought that was a cool thing. And also to remind us that like, Hey, Aria is also like a human being with feelings. And like, she's, she's not just a, a, 
a agent of killing, you know. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there was always something in the back of their mind where they wanted to do something like this because, and I don't know if this is also said in the book or not, um, back in season one, uh, Robert has a line where he says, I have a son. He's talking to Ned, and he says, I have a son. You have a daughter. Let's let's bring our houses oh, together. Wow. And they're talking about Joffrey and Sansa. But then Gendry yeah. and Arya get together. I think that's quite fun. Oh, wow. I, and I, I feel like that. there's probably, I feel like there was, there was some intention there. Um, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Which is neat. Again, there, there's a lot of really cool stuff here that brings back, that goes all the way back to season one. Um, in, in ways that I, I'm am impressed with and I think people miss in a lot of ways. So. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Brienne being knighted. I cried at that. Sure. That was gorgeous. Um, that, you know, you had all these people so totally on... That, that she has grown up in a society where men made fun of her and did not didn't want her to be a knight, made fun of her for wanting it, and then here's this room full of men being like you should totally be a knight like tradition is stupid we can knight you and jamie's like i'll knight you like you don't need a king i'll do it but then he also takes it very seriously and like she's crying and he recites this whole beautiful thing and Tyrion claps and well they all applaud and it's just really a beautiful like moment for her arc and for their relationship and uh yeah it's just gorgeous and that they still got a lot of comedy out of Tormund <laughs> like is the big woman here where's the big woman and he comes in with the they have like the 20 second shot of him drinking out of the horn <laughs> but they still found all of that I thought that that whole bit was just so well balanced I loved it and I like that also in that there's uh or at the beginning you have Brienne and Pod show up while um, Tyrion is there with somebody. I don't remember. Maybe he's already there with Jamie. I don't know. Um, and then uh, Brienne's like, "All right, Podrick, you can have uh, half half a cup." And then Tyrion <laughs> just like literally overflows his, his <laughs> goblet. Yeah, just hides it. And shows. <laughs> oh, that's good. Oh man. Uh, yeah, and, and you mentioned Liana and Jorah chatting. That was great, because I just liked Jorah trying to argue with this little spitfire. <laughs> no, you're the last one of our house. I'm going to fight. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> and the fact that they... Because I think that, that ends with um, her telling him good luck or something. Like, it ends with mutual yep. respect. As, like, yes, 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 yes. I think he calls good. her my lady or something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's quite nice. And then, of course, Sam gives him heartsbane, which is perfect. Um, yeah, he's, he's earned another sword. I think mm-hmm. that's quite nice. Yeah, and and the fact that it's we're we're somehow paying off, <laughs> paying off like five relationships right now because you also got Gior. Like that's the reason Sam's yeah. giving it to him is because he was a mentor or Gior was his mentor, and so like, <gasps> yeah. <gasps> and there's more and more like confirmation of like, no, Jora, you are worth like your honor and like your. You, you deserve to have things. <laughs> like, so much of the show is just him being like, no, I did bad things, so I don't deserve it. It's like, no, you do deserve good things, Jorah. Like, it's okay. And his his and Sam's relationship is one of... Because like, Jorah is one of my favorite characters on the whole TV show. Mm-hmm. Because I love characters like that. These, like, tragic, unrequited, like, I'm gonna live by honor. Like, I just am a sucker for that whole thing. 
Sam is another character type that I love so much, which is the like gentle hearted, soft survivor who's secretly a a great hero in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh like Sam Gamgee, like Glenn on Walking Dead, like the Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. Um sure. and Sam is is just such a, a brilliant person and and i love that the show found a way to bring these two people together in this really satisfying if short relationship i just think it's lovely and jorah also spent a whole night getting grayscale stripped off of his body <laughs> sure. so i think i think he's uh he's paid his debt he's earned a win <laughs> you at least get a sword jorah <laughs> you had to have jim broadbent like walk like around an rpg and look at quest <laughs> You have to like it's like an achievement. You have to like go to one one HP um, right. without dying. Exactly. Sure. But if you play Sam's uh, side of that, you have to like rotate the the right and left analog sticks <laughs> to get the the thing off. And you hear like too much. Oh, that hurt. Uh-uh. Sorry. Uh-uh. That one was okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Turn into operation. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. What did y'all think of the Return of the King moment where Pod sang and we got we sh- we got uh, camera shots of everybody just looking into the distance? Is that supposed to be like his hidden gift? That and that's why the the um, prostitutes ended up giving him back the money. Is that supposed to be that he, he sings? I, no, I don't think singing is what got yeah. him that. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, okay, no, no, it's because it seemed to be a, a like a semi reveal that he sang. So I, I don't know if that was supposed to be. I, no, I think no, it's no, more no. just people aren't expecting it because like he's so soft spoken. Yeah. Um, okay. And and I think that works well in that scene because everyone's like, I, I forget, someone's asking somebody for a song. I forget. Yeah, again. and Davos is like, nope, <laughs> don't look at me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then he just breaks out, and everyone's like, "What?" Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that's supposed to be. He, he's yeah. he's a layered character, Alex. He can have more than one good trait. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think look, the women gave I, him. I'm the... just, I'm just not prepped for this level of sophisticated Correct. storytelling. <laughs> you need to to increase your nuance style. Yeah, uh, Alex, it was really weird that you yeah, kept watching... Yeah, let's make more jokes about uh, Varys <laughs> about being Unix. a eunuch. It was weird that you kept watching yes. Iron Fist before every episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> You're like, okay, time to warm up. Look, all of us have, have, have paid our dues in terms of TV watching, okay? Sure. This all is... of us have... For me, it was the first two seasons and last two seasons of Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it was... Uh, 11 or so episodes of The Gifted before I decided, Britain, why are you doing this? I'm going to start I'm going to start calling it the last two seasons of Iron Fist. <laughs> just like not like, oh yeah, you know, I, I think the last two seasons of Iron Fist just really went downhill. <laughs> <laughs> the, the final sweep. No, I think the women did, the prostitutes just gave Pod his money back because he was very, very good at sex. <laughs> Be... I mean, yes, yes, that is, that is the natural place your mind yeah, goes yeah. when we get to that, that plot development. I just didn't know if they no, were no, trying no. to and do a subversion. Course. Again, I'm just asking the question. I would like to point out that is a gag. Quit being mean to me. No, I would like to point out uh, that that is a gag. Um, <laughs> and people complained about the eunuch jokes in this episode I know, <laughs> as yeah. if it was breaking character. Somewhere along I, uh, the way, somebody said the term Marvel humor and broke critical analysis of anything with jokes. Like Marvel yeah. humor and Mary Sue and the whole 
internet just went yes. to crap in terms of just genre <laughs> discourse. Yes, I will. I will also say the humor is one of the reasons the the MCU works. <laughs> um, there, <laughs> I said it. Who's the Mar- who? Who? Who do they accuse of being a Mary Sue in JOT? Arya. We'll talk yeah. about it. I mean, I don't feel that way, but I could see how that would be leveled at her. The true Mary Sue is Batman. Now, in sure. the, in the uh, what, what, aside from the redundancy, what did you guys think of the the John and Daenerys re- John revealing to Daenerys his his parentage? Because I think the reason it didn't bother me as redundant is this is a reveal that drastically impacts both of those characters, and so. It is a rep- repetition of information for us, but when I kind of mirror, I like the, the mirrored. When John was told, the camera stayed on him, and he just reacted. And when Daenerys was told, it just stayed on her. The setting and everything feels redundant, but I think it. It. I would rather watch Daenerys receive that information than like have it happen off screen. Him being like Daenerys, I've got to tell you something, and then it cuts to Beric doing whatever. Mm-hmm. I I think part of my problem is just like once again I I know kind of how a lot of this stuff is kind of paid off and mm. i don't really care much for how that's paid off or okay. how i think it's not really paid off so the fact that we're having minimal time dedicated to that and then it's just like it cuts to oh hey the battle's starting mm. <laughs> like i i don't know i i, I have issues with again that. it's one of those things we probably have to put a pin in until next yeah. gotcha um, gotcha episode. i do like the fact that uh daenerys is immediately like so your best friend and your brother told you this. Yeah. This yeah. sounds like how conspiracies start, because that's very logical of her to think. <laughs> yeah, certainly. It's like, well, my brother's a three-eyed raven, and nobody knows what that is, but he is it. <laughs> so he's like a psychic god or something, and Sam is good at books. So um, so talking of that, let's start the battle episode. Um, I do want to quickly note, that I like how there's several points in this episode where they're like, Bran! And Bran goes, not right now. Gotta go be a bunch of birds. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't. Gotta go find some sweet corn. <laughs> I, I think we should tackle kind of the two biggest, you know, quote-unquote criticisms that people have of this episode. Okay. Probably first. Um, number one being the lighting. Mm-hmm. And number mm. two being just general battle tactics. Sure. Mm. Um. Yeah, Tyler, if you want to talk about the lighting. Yeah, because <laughs> um, yeah. there's, there's been two like defenses of this from the people who made the episode um, about the, the lighting. Because, Britton, I don't know if you remember this or are, are like kind of aware of the um, infamy around this episode and the fact oh, that I read about it. it today. I read about um, it today a little bit, yeah. And I think there is something to the fact that part of it, uh, or like everyone was watching on HBO Go at the time... <laughs> HBO Max wasn't out yet. Whatever it was, no, yeah, um, I can tell you. And and people were, uh, you know, it, HBO whatever that was, what, that right. streaming service was was never like superb in terms of crystal clear images and stuff like that. Like I always <laughs> felt like I had problems seeing things super well on it, um, including like past episodes of Game of Thrones when I tried to rewatch them. Um, so that was one whole thing. But the the two that I for first of all. <laughs> Miguel Sapochnik, uh, I think on, like, the commentary for it in, like, the Blu-ray uh, special edition or whatever, uh, it basically is just, like, everyone says it was too dark. Idiots. It, it's exactly as dark as I wanted it to be. What are, what are they talking about? <laughs> um, so that's pretty great. 
but also Brian Cogman actually talked about the fact that um, there's they never try to have unnatural lighting in Game of Thrones. Like every mm-hmm. light is supposed to have like an actual source that it comes from, um, and so that applies to I think uh, this in particular because you have like a lot of really effective scenes in my opinion where you've got something that's super dark and then you light it up with fire in like the form of the trenches or something like that. And then you right. can see, and then it changes. Like, I, I think one of my notes that I wrote down with this is that this is one of the only uses that I think I actually find quite effective of like a, a gross gray orange background <laughs> in a sure. battle scene yeah. as yeah. compared to, I mean, I, we were just talking about the MCU. I, lo- I love the MCU and I love Avengers Endgame, but it is, you know, the, the ending gets a little muddy and, and, and uh, sure. murky. Um, you could talk about your justice leagues and your PVSs and all that good stuff where, you know, you, you've kind of just turned into like, this is so overcorrected and colorized. And like, we are, we're, we're putting so much effects into this that it just is, is like gross. Like it's just yeah. not pleasant to look at. Whereas this, I think works pretty effectively as like, Oh, this is what this would look like. It's, you know, there's all this grime and there's, there's snow in the air. There's blizzards. Uh, yeah. the night King is doing some, some big storm magic, uh, but then also you've got these lights in the background, and so they're they, these big fires, and so they're you know turning this into this like eerie looking um, effect. And I, I mean, watching it this time, I really did not have any problems. Um, I felt like I was seeing what I was supposed to be seeing. I did watch it on Blu-ray, I will say, um, but I was seeing what I was supposed to be seeing, and when I wasn't seeing things, it was because I wasn't supposed to see anything additionally to that. Um, so no, that that changed my perspective because he talked. Brian Cogman actually in that quote talked about the fact that, like, Helm's Deep is just lit in uh, two towers is just lit up like however they need to light it up. Like he's just yeah. you know, you can you can see everything that's happening at any given time, and you don't really know where the light's coming from, and you don't really think about it. That's fine, but yeah. because Thrones has like stuck with this particular philosophy when it comes to lighting, um, I think it both makes this episode a lot more difficult for them. And also I think it uh, explains a lot of that and having that in mind watching it, I think also helped me appreciate it more and understand why that was the creative choice that they made there. Yeah. I didn't have any, I watched it like on my PlayStation on HBO max and I watched it in the morning. So it wasn't like the sun was still coming up. So it wasn't too, too bright, but I didn't really have any problems either. It, more, I feel like I was getting the intended effect of like, oh, they 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 can't see things, so I can't see things. It's to make mm-hmm. me feel uneasy and make me feel. Um, definitely during some of the fights, I was like, I don't know who that is because yeah. everyone's covered in grime sure. and blood and mud. But I kept telling myself, Britain, if a na- if a character, if a known character dies, like they're going, it's going to become evident. Like they're going to hold the right. camera on them, or you're going to be able to identify them. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really have any big issues with it. I thought as well, like all that orange black background was just really haunting. I, I thought it was mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this looks scary and dour and bad. And it looked natural. It didn't look like a video game. It didn't look, I don't know. It didn't look false. It looked like, well, yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, the lighting element didn't necessarily bother me. Uh, what are the battle tactics? problem is it the gray worm didn't wear a helmet for a while because i got i was like gray worm gray worm i know well, i know why you're not wearing we get a helmet to that but before we get into that i, I did want to address 
the darkness didn't really bother me either this time. I remember it being kind of a problem the first time I watched and it. And I kind of I do too that... as well. Like I remember yeah. the first time watching it being like, mm, I'm squinting a little. I think my problem more, and, and this is a question of kind of their intent versus what I want, I guess. Um, it felt like there were just a lot of super close-ups sure. and mm-hmm. a lot of quick cutting. Sure. Which I know is supposed to be like, oh, everything's just like it's a complete onslaught and nobody – you can't tell anything but, you know, directly what's in front of you. I found it super distracting for the dragon sequences when sure. John and Daenerys are just kind of flying around. Like I very quickly lost interest in those scenes because it felt like so much of it was just, oh, they're flying around in, in a blizzard and they can't see and like it's just a zoom in on Kit Harrington's face. And I'm like – I don't care um i I didn't really care for how all of that was done um but other than that i i thought it was shot fine um there's a lot of really cool stuff particularly towards the end of the episode um just a lot of really really neat long takes and it's just like oh they put a lot of work into this didn't Mm -hmm. they Um, so in terms of the battle tactics, I'll, I'll try and keep this brief because I think it mostly just bothered me in the opening, like, half of the episode. I think after that it gets, basically once they actually retreat into Winterfell, it's a lot more clear cut. But there's just some strange things that I I don't know if if we're going to argue about them, Tyler, or what, but first off, having the Dothraki just charge as, like, your big gun with just their normal swords they don't have any any uh they don't have any of the uh it's not dragonstone dragon Dragon glass they don't have dragon dragonstone carried above their heads yes they have (laughs) like superman (laughs) um they don't have any dragon glass and they don't have any um valyrian steel they just have like their normal dothraki swords and it's only because melisandre shows up that they're able to be lit on fire um, it's just very strange given that they know what they're up against and they know that a hundred thousand white walkers are about to charge them. It feels weird that they just throw the Dothraki at them without, I don't know. Cause it, what, what kind of caught my, my mind this time is that, you know, in past episodes, they've discussed like a pincer move. Um, so that I, I, I was thinking like, wouldn't you want the White Walkers to come in? And I'm not a master tactician or anything, so this is me just. I disagree. Out I think uh, <laughs> your PhD says otherwise. So okay, well, <laughs> well thank you. <laughs> well, that means you can't argue with correct. Me. Um, I have so, to take so, myself. I think the idea would be like you have the White Walkers start to get closer, and then you have the Dothraki come at them from the sides. The instead of just having them tr- like for me, it's. it's they're going for emotion and trying to build tension before they're going with the logic of the story and how I feel like this would actually play out. Um, and then also because because it's supposed to be like, oh, this image of all the fire attacking and we're going to win, we're going to win. And then it just all like disappears. And it's like for me, I'm just thinking like, oh, well, they're they're just part of the army of the dead now. That was really dumb. Um, well, so that's that's strange. We'll put a pin in that sure. real quick. And then the other main thing for me is. Why do they wait until, like, <laughs> so many of the Unsullied are taken out before they're like, oh, let's light up the fire trench and everyone start to get behind that? 
No, you'll lead with that. You'll lead with Fire Trench. You have that in front of everyone. You set that up when the White Walkers are about to attack, and then you just hurl arrows and spears at them. Hashtag, what, what, hashtag it lead with Fire Trench. Um, yes! <laughs> well, th- this is kind of the Avengers Infinity War problem, right? Where they send out all the little monsters first, and then the big aliens come in when they're attacking Wakanda. And, of course, logistically, no, you would send your big guys in first, soften them up, and the little guys come in and finish them off. But for theatrics, that doesn't pay off at all. You have to escalate the action. So I I, I completely get what you're saying because there's a difference between, oh, okay, this doesn't really make sense, but it's to increase dramatic effect. And this now makes you look like poor tacticians. Um, Yeah, I don't care about calling Thanos a poor tactician. I'm not a big fan of him. But I'm a uh, big Thanos of Thanos. No, I think that he needs to sit down. Um, <laughs> but but with this, I I I I know what you mean. It did, it did, it did almost seem a little bit like they went, and the Dothraki, eh, expendable. <laughs> You're fine. Well, I, I think they came up with good excuses for everything else. Like when the Night King brings his dragon in, he gets like one blast and immediately Daenerys and Jon are on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so that I followed, but just, I, I was just so confused, particularly with the trench. Sure. Um, because I'm just like, no, 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 you set up the trench, that way it's protecting everyone when the White Walkers get there, and then Jon and Daenerys just keep flying by and blasting them, which is what they end up doing. Because, like, once you get to that point where everybody's retreated into Winterfell and those moments have kind of just passed, everything's fine. Right. But it's just kind of that opening setup was very, very confusing to me. My my two – I don't I, – I would agree with the trench thing. I think it – they at least should should say, like – because there's this sense that they're kind of sacrificing the Unsullied. Yeah. And so, and well, especially so, because they, they make a big deal out of, oh, we need to set the trench on fire now. Yeah. We have to do it now. Yeah. And it's like, why didn't he... <sighs> And so, like, I think even if you have an explanation of, like, the Insolid are there to, to bait the army to, to actually come in and, and burn themselves on this trench. Like, hurt the, like what, you know, we want them to actually, like, get, get all the way in, get stuck here, and then our dragons can come in. Um, right. And I think if that was, like, if they just, like, had a line about that where they talk about the fact that uh, we want, you know, the Insolid are there as, like, a distraction until we get the trench lit up and then they're sitting ducks for our dragons. Um, I think that's all you really need, but the fact that it doesn't address it makes it a little confusing as to like, do they are they planning on ice on just leaving the insulate out to dry? Like, what's happening here? Yeah. Um, th- with the Dothraki, my argument would be the Dothraki don't do anything except cavalry charges. That's mm-hmm. that's how they be, and also the army is too big to do any sort of like flanking against. Like, it, yeah. it basically surrounds the entire horizon. Um, and on a, a larger note, like flanking in general, uh, if my, I know they've, they've done this in the show. So like, it, it's a tactic that I guess they could use. Um, but my understanding is that flanking in general as like a medieval tactic is specifically so that it causes chaos within the opposing army. So that the opposing army mm-hmm. is like, Oh, we're being attacked from both sides. Oh God, we got to retreat. What's happening. Um, whereas this is like, giant mindless army of corpses it's just a wall of corpses and they're just they're just charging um so that's what i mean i feel like that's why it's designed that way uh just in terms of them being like well 
we can try and call some of their numbers if we send the the Dothraki out. We're not going to win the army this way, but like that, you know, this is how we start, and that also helps them to at least establish like where they are before they start hitting them with trebuchets and arrows and stuff like that. Sorry. Oh, that's another thing I wanted to mention. Once again, fire trench have that in front of you. Uh, once they uh, decide, oh, the dead are just upon us right now. Um, the trebuchets are completely worthless and they can't be used anymore. Now you have that behind your defensive shield and then you can keep using them. They they shoot well, pretty far. I don't know that you yeah. can really program a trebuchet to be like, shoot right in front of this trench. Well, if it's supposed <laughs> to be 100,000 dead people, yeah, I guess. however, yeah, however many, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, that, I'm going that, that, on too long <clears throat> about this. I found a lot of that pretty silly. Yeah, well, trebuchets, you also, those aren't designed to be used for the whole fight. <laughs> you use them at the beginning, and right. then, it's like how, you know, you it's archers, 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 okay, now get out your swords, <laughs> you know. Right. Sure. Um, yeah, there, there could have been more discussion about it, I think, in terms, like, have characters talk more about, like, why they're doing it. Like, yeah. I think if we just had more logical, like, explanation of what's happening, that would be, that would go a long way, but... Yeah. For for me, yeah. I find it not too difficult to kind of fill in those blanks, and so I'm just kind of like, it's fine. They're they're, they're facing something that uh, no one would ever be able to like come up with a good plan against because they have no idea what's going on, and it's insane and horrifying. Yeah. So I, I, I give them a I give them a, a pass for that. Um, I will say that seeing Ghost on the front lines like got me. That 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 put a stitch in my throat. I was like, "Oh, ghost, ghost!" But he's okay. Um, <laughs> Melisandre's back because sure. <laughs> Though I actually I liked her in this episode. I, I I thought this was all pretty cool, and I like the thing of oh, we can't light the trench with the dragons, so let's try to light it with fire arrows. That's not working. Melisandre's like, "It's okay, maybe I got it." And then I thought I, all of that I thought was really good, and I loved <laughs> when the dead just started like. Okay, we'll just become a bridge. Like all yep. of that yeah. was really uh, effective. Again, very uh, Infinity War in terms of like yes, they're, yes. them all shoving through the uh, the shield. Um, yeah, I uh, I also there's there's a shot of the Hound watching the Dothraki right away, and I, I really like to think that he's just thinking like serves him right <laughs> when they start disappearing <laughs> uh, with their fiery <laughs> swords. Um, I, I loved. Fun how they I've talked about this before I love how they sustain his PTSD with fire and I loved how it was used in this episode mm-hmm. this whole thing with Barrack like Sandor we need you and he's like I know no screw off I can't you know I thought all we're that gonna was die really well done. yeah and then and then, our, and then they they he, his dad instinct turns on because mm-hmm. um, he sees Arya and he's like okay I'll do it and uh, <laughs> I think that's yeah. that's very sweet I like that a lot that that's that's the thing that gets him to be like I there is actually something worth me like going back out into this madness with all this fire and and trying to fight yeah. for um, I've been I've been I've been pushed uh, into this like horrible situation and I've come through all this crap and I've been like slowly trying to become a better person I had a nice priest tell me how I can be a better person <laughs> Um, and I'm finally doing, I'm finally facing my fear and, and even just like a small way. Um, yeah. he still doesn't really have to like face fire necessarily, but I'm finally like sure. standing up to, to this situation at least. It's like Sam fighting Shelob, San, uh, Sandor's like, mm-hmm. and this is for whatever. 
and this is for Arya, and this is for Brother Ray. <laughs> 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 and then Ian McShane appears in the stars, and he's like, "You did a good job, Sandor." <laughs> um, we of course lose our our first casualty, Ed Dolores mm. Edison Tollett. I was not surprised, but I was very sad. I was also like. Pfft. He's not a very major character. I don't care at all about this. He's not super important. Man, man, man. Um, no, I was sad. I love Ed. Ed's such a great character. So, of course, I was sad about that. I I did think it was a little, once again, just a little bit silly how he picks up Sam and they just kind of stand there looking at each other and then he gets a sword through the yeah, back of his head. It's a, it's... There's... The show, this episode in particular, takes a few too many cinematic liberties for my taste just to have like impactful moments. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. And that, that, well, going along with that, just the fact that we ultimately don't lose that many main players. Um, well, (laughs) I would, first of all, I, as far as the cinematic thing, it's not quite, it's not quite episode six from the last season, but sure. sure. Um, as far as the cinematic impact thing, I do I, I do agree that that's purely just a matter of taste. But I would also mm-hmm. argue that in a fictional television show about a fantasy thing, cinematic impact is kind of the point. There is internal logic you have to owe to. And I also think in, in terms of that moment, I don't think that they were looking at each other for the duration of time we were watching them see each other. I think the show was like, these two things are happening simultaneously, but we're just showing you each side of it. And so they probably looked at each other for, like, a second, and then Ed got... got. I also had that thought, though, but that was kind of how I rationalized it. It is, it is a classic, like, that particular moment. It's a classic, like, uh, I, I don't even know, like, battle moment where, you, you know, sure. it's... Uh, yeah. I'm sure... I can't remember for sure, but I'm sure that happens in Saving Private Ryan in the opening sure, scene sure. where you have a moment where... I think that might be, like, the original version of this moment where you've got, like, the one guy who's, like... All right, I'm gonna go too, and then he gets shot or whatever. Like they they both stop to like talk for a second, and one guy doesn't have a helmet on or uh, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, no, it's it's fair. I think there's the very convenient moment of like, oh, I guess the zombies just didn't try to eat them while they were crowding around Tyrese or something. <laughs> like, right. there's there, there is a little bit of that. Like, okay, all right, uh, the, the the eye of the hurricane passed over you just long enough. For... Yeah. <laughs> um, well. <clears throat> Just I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to keep harping on, on this stuff, but this is just the stuff that I saw that that bugged me while I was watching the episode. Um, I, I once again I thought it was silly. Like John's running past everyone, and I, I, I like that as a dramatic moment of like I can't focus on saving the people that I love. I have to get to the Night King. Yeah. Um, but like Sam's just there in a pile of of dead zombies, and they're trying to kill him, and and you know. Uh, Brienne and and Jamie and Podrick, they're like backed against the wall and they're all yeah. like getting yeah. just it's just like a complete onslaught. And they all survive. Like I don't buy that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Th- that, I think I yeah. think that is really, really over the top that they all are just we're we're just we're just like completely cornered and we'll be con- cornered for the next twenty minutes of the re- <laughs> remaining duration of this episode, but we're totally I fine. I, I think it shows them I, I would agree that it it does one too many like close ups of someone getting overwhelmed. I think for the most part it shows them continuing to move and get like in worse and worse situations. And I also think we've established that like a lot of them 
like it are are pretty good fighters um obviously like I don't know. I think that it does a good enough job of establishing the fact that they're within, they're in close enough geography that they can kind of like continue to help each other out in mm. this situation. Because like obviously Brian is one of the best fighters there, if not the best fighter in the entire army. Um, th- we've sh- we've seen a lot of Podrick kind of training for this moment. We've got Jamie. He's good at things, even if he's using his left hand. He's been training a lot. I feel like they do a lot of a decent amount of, of keeping us informed on like what they're up to and the fact that they're continuing to get pressed farther and farther into like the castle and they're in a worse worse situation. Um, I would say the only one that really bothered me is the one with Sam getting like yeah. piled over. I think that you, you, you at least have to be like John goes away and then we have a quick shot of Brienne coming in and, and swiping through a bunch of them and he gets out. I don't know. Yeah, it does um, stretch the cinematic thing of well we either have to kill all of our characters or just you just have to accept that they survived because i I remember people had this this qualm with an episode of walking dead called too far gone which i love but people had it's this huge you know onslaught this huge battle scene and we only lose one hero character Every all the other good guys survive. Um, mm-hmm. Plenty of unnamed people die, but none of the named, uh, none of the other named sure. good guy characters die. And a lot of people were like, "There's no way that makes it." Like, I know that I'm supposed to suspend disbelief. This is a fictional thing. I get it, but this is stretching that to the breaking point for a lot of, for a lot of people. It didn't for me, but but I understand that because there is a point past which you, you as a show, you're like, we have to create it so that it's believable enough that all of these people survived. But then it's also up to the audience to be willing to suspend that disbelief. So, so I well, do, I do see that, but it, it and the other side of the balance here is that they also want it to be like, this was not a, an, a, another battle for them. Like this was right. Very difficult. And we, we are focusing mostly on like Arya's through line here yeah. and John's <clears> through line here. Um, we we can't really and Theon I well as well I would argue like we've got kind of that set of, of set pieces going on, um, carrying throughout the episode. We can't really sit there and show you exactly how they're surviving this, but we right. also don't want you to feel like they just had it easy and we're just kind of hacking back and forth for a while. And then it was like oh it's over. It was like yeah. right, more of a we we, sh- we do have to make this look like it was an awful experience for all of them, and it was for the yeah. actors too because apparently the production yeah. was a nightmare, which is great. Um, <laughs> no, and, and I'm not saying this this is easy to fix or, sure. or to, yeah, to kind of yeah. get that balance to work better. It's very very difficult, but just kind of taking your Walking Dead comparison, if we're looking at something like Lord of the Rings, the end battle where they're charging the Black Gate, and it's like, well, all of our main characters survive. Yeah. And it's like in the, they're in the middle of this battle. Surely some of them. Lord of the Rings is super stylized and sure. a super fantastical world. Whereas yeah. Game of Thrones and Walking Dead in their own way are a lot more – I'm not going to say gritty. But, but they try and be more grounded and have a lot more quote-unquote real-world logic in, sure. in terms of how things work. If nothing and else, the, they're certainly a lot more willing to kill off characters. <laughs> like big right. Characters. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it's, it's one of those shows where like we are used to important people that we care about getting killed off. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, particularly if this is like the end-all, be-all battle, um, 
and I know we we do get more battle stuff later on, but like this is the it. This is for the fate of the world. Um, I feel like we should have axed a few more of our our mains, our leads. No, this, and this um, is also something that is really going to have to come up in the next episode for us because then you get this question of like, oh, do the okay. If I had if I didn't know anything about what was coming in the next three episodes, had no idea, and I had this question of like, oh. All so many of our main characters survived. I wonder if any of them have different deaths planned for later that would make more sense than killing them in a battle. And that's something we can obviously touch on in the next series of episodes. But right, <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. The thing that I have been kind of thinking over in my mind because I, I've always been the question of what the White Walkers are supposed to represent kind of thematically has always kind of confused me because I always thought it was supposed to be like almost like a, a climate change or this existential threat that we have to face together. Otherwise yeah. we are all going to die. Um, but then it gets relegated to one episode and the good guys win. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to throw out the question. I know. I, I know that's a very, very <laughs> simplistic way of putting it. I, I recognize the Tyler. I do want to ask the question of what if this episode ended with our heroes in fact losing and basically the white walkers move past winterfell and they just like spread um and our heroes kind of have to regroup and figure out another solution yeah i mean i'm not like against that but i think the it's just so fundamentally different yeah, as a, as a show. Oh and as an no, ending, if the, the latter that. half the latter half of the show would completely change. Yeah. Like um, you would have to. I think you would need. But the fact that Cersei doesn't really face the consequences for not yeah. sending her men north to help against this threat, I feel like the fact that we don't get you know to a full on winter type scenario at King's Landing, I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I don't know. I feel like the fact that I mean, I would I I think it would be fun if we got the white walkers to king's landing um but that's also kind of the point of why they're doing this is because they're like if we don't stop them here they're going to become just like the night king's never going to have to come anywhere near us like he can just sit back and he's got you know right millions of people just plowing across westeros um but i would also argue the fact that cersei faces absolutely no consequences is uh is pretty game of thrones <laughs> that feels very <laughs> thematic for me the fact that she just like yep, that's true i played that's y'all true. and i'm fine <laughs> and yeah you could argue I mean, there I mean, are, that's fair you could argue it's it's uh she does face consequences in other ways um yes we'll we'll, um, we'll bring it up next episode as well i i don't want to be a complete downer on this episode there's a lot of really cool moments some of which y'all have talked about um I have some questions about Arya getting into kind of the library area and everything's just like super quiet, but I thought that was like a really neat scene mm-hmm. and we finally get to see like, oh, she's like, she's trained in Bravos. Like, let's see how she actually sneaks yeah. around. I-, I thought that was like a really cool, like, we finally get to see her do some Batman ninja stuff yeah. Um, yeah, instead I'll, of it just being kind of off screen. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that. So... Previous to this, she had gone full Dynasty Warriors, was just spin-battling everybody, and it was awesome. It, it, it's glorious. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So her, her like, weapons within, within this episode, I was like, is my favorite character right now. This is incredible. But then, <laughs> so, so when she went into the library area, did she, 
was she like going through one entrance and leaving through another entrance to pass through it? Yes. Or did she go in and then okay? Because for yes. a moment I was like, did she go in and then just leave? <laughs> like, was she like, <laughs> all right? Uh, was she like, I gotta fight the Night King? Oh man, I need to get that skill. Tra- I'm gonna go grind real quick <laughs> and then like. I did actually have some plus kind of ten. geography <laughs> problems. Um, I do appreciate that kind of early on we do have like a lot of overhead shots and we mm-hmm. get the map of like Winterfell, so we got like a general layout. Um, but it, just like in the middle of the battle, I was kind of losing where certain characters were at different times. And like, Britain, I, I have that same kind of question when Arya's running into the library. It's, it's like, like, why is she in she the library? Come out the way she came. I yeah. And but then, then I put just, it like, together. Endless corridors, and I I don't know. I was yeah. I was getting a little bit lost. But then again, I like Alien Three, which is nothing <laughs> but endless corridors. So there you go. Um, and Doom. I. <laughs> Uh, so real quick before I forget, Sansa has a line to Tyrion about, she says, you were the best of them, which I loved when she tells and him. Tyrion's really response sweet. is, what a <laughs> terrifying thought. And that's, I, that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, I really like that. Uh, now, of course, we get to our next, uh, not so big death, which I have mixed feelings on, which is Lyanna Mormont. Um, mm-hmm. totally cried, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, because she stabs a giant in the eye with an axe. And that's a huge deal that now we don't have to deal with a white giant anymore. Mm-hmm. That was right. awesome. But I did have a little bit of that J.K. Rowling. Like, did we need to kill her, though? Did she need to die? But at the same time, the Mormont words are, here I stand. And so she and Jorah were just going to go down yeah. swinging. And it's like, because it succeeded at moving me and being heroic, I'm like, I can take it. I also really like Leanna. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be too harsh about this. I did think it was a little silly just the shot where the the uh, giant runs in and just kind of smacks her out of the way. Sure, I sure. thought she that was this, unintentionally like, funny. very like heart wrenching. It's yelp. almost like a yelp. <laughs> yeah. She does, um, but then she later faces him and just screams at him. And yeah. I got such goosebumps. And it reminded me of a scene in Godzilla, King of the Monster. Okay. Um, where Millie Bobby Brown is faces off against King Ghidorah and just, oh, like, yeah. bellow screams at him. And it's, like, way more moving than it should be. But I was I, like, this is so cool. She's standing watched, up to an alien dragon. I watched that movie while I was very tired on a plane over the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, you know what? <laughs> That's a fun time. It's all right. It's a, it's a it's a fun movie where giant monsters punch each other. Yes. I have lots of other thoughts. We'll get there, but um, <laughs> but it reminded me of that, and I was like, I guess I I guess one of my crying triggers is young like girls screaming at monsters sure. and just like standing up for themselves. I loved it. Um, um, I, I think yeah. also that ends in a really striking like the the shot of kind of the dead are just continuing to overwhelm the castle yeah. but you've got the dead giant and liana lying yeah. like obviously being a much smaller body lying beside each other right uh having killed each other i think that's uh a pretty striking shot i i completely agree um and Beric, which was mm-hmm. which was sad but i also like the whole oh the lord of light kept you alive so that you could do that it's very prayer for owen meanie and then you get to help the hound who helps aria who Swallowed the dog to chase the cat to get the <laughs> thing. Uh, 
in but the I like, ballroom like with the wrench. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. that's a good that's a good final death where he's literally just grabbing onto. Uh, the, I mean, it's almost like uh, Hodor, where he's grabbing onto the sure. sides and he's like, ah, as they're just stabbing him just yeah. so that he can give them just long enough for them all to, to get out of there. A L- little bit of Boromir, too, where he's like, got it, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep going. Oh, you got me again. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I wrote that the music was A+. plus, Stunning. Brilliant yes. music in this episode. Um, this, is, th- this is what I was talking about um, when we talked about yeah. Winds of Winter. This is, I think, Ramin Jawadi's... Uh, I probably, like, been horribly butchering his name this entire time. And I'm just, like... I, I'm assuming I've just got it at this point. <laughs> so <we're> just... <laughs> That's how I've always said it, so... Uh, yeah. I would Yeah, who um, knows? But, uh, yeah, he's... he's it's, it's almost like Westworld uh, at the end of the episode. Um, it, it draws on a lot of his work on that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's beautiful, and yeah, yeah. There, there's also some other, some other great stuff earlier on where he's like mixing in like a minor key Game of Thrones theme yeah. with like the White Walker theme. Oh, it's he does some really brilliant stuff, and there's a couple more things coming in this season that I remember musically being like, that was great. And we'll talk yeah, about it. He's, he's marvelous. Um, ooh, what was I going to say? Uh, I thought there were quite a few great shots of the the dragons. I agree that there are times where it's hard to like keep track of what's going on exactly mm. with them and what that battle is doing but there's at least one in particular um or i think it's a few shots where they're kind of like way up above the clouds and you've got the, yeah. the huge storm clouds rolling behind them um and, and daenerys and john are both like trying to figure out what the night king is up to and it's incredible like it's stunning it's like yeah. a desktop background kind of <laughs> shot right <laughs> um uh, and it looks great um and i think there's also some great shots of the night king looking horrifying uh, up mm. on on his dragon, like there's one where he, I think he like points down or something, or gestures down towards the battle, and yeah, uh, yeah, there's, there's some, and he's like out of focus slightly behind. Oh, it's it's good, it's cool. There's some cool yeah. stuff in this. It would have been great <laughs> is if while they were up there, you just saw the the bat the bat wing just like come up <laughs> and drop back down. Da, 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 and John's like, "Where did he get those? That wonderful flying dragon." Um, uh, other things. So the... Theon. Yeah, go there. Let's talk. Um, I, I personally felt this was a fitting end to his arc where he has been forgiven by the the Starks he has wronged mm-hmm. and that he dies protecting Bran. My qualm would... I Well, I don't know if it's a qualm. I guess it's he's like, well, I know I'm going to die here, so I'm just going to charge and see what I can do. But it's also like, dude, you could have just like waited for him to attack you or like tried to take down some of the other ones. I, I don't know. That's such a minor little nitpicky thing. <laughs> Because I was also, I, I was thinking this while it happened, but I was also thinking about how, like, the, my tears were getting in the way of me seeing the picture <laughs> of, of the screen. Because it's very moving. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, we've talked about it a little bit, but, like, Alfie Allen is marvelous on this show, and he's been marvelous from the beginning. And I think he played the arc of Theon really well. And I think Theon's arc is a really good, consistent thing throughout the show yeah. that I think the show does really effectively. Uh, but that was just like one little weird thing about it where I was like, I feel like at this point you're just like, I know I'm going to die saving you, Bran. I'm just going to run into his spear. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which I think exactly it's, what happens. 
So. I would say it's it's he's trying to like stall the Night King, or it's, oh, I mean, sure. not even st- yeah. he doesn't know that anything's going to happen that will fix the situation. But right, right. if he fought him in front of Bran, he'd be closer to Bran. He's just oh, like, that's a good point. trying that's to be like, point. if I stop you here, maybe I can kill you. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Yeah. So and and I I do think they have some some beautiful dialogue right before that. We also didn't mention mm. the heartfelt reunion of Theon and Sansa in the last episode. Yeah, uh, which is also good because it's it's used both as this like very powerful moment between the two of them, and also Daenerys is like, oh wow, I don't, none of these people like care about me that much. Like I'm very <laughs> I'm very much an outsider here. Um, so I think it it has multiple meanings that work well. I, I, I'm gonna defend the show real quick. Because I remember people like getting up in arms about Arya just shows up out of nowhere to kill the Night King. It doesn't make any sense. Number one, we we show that she's been given ample time to yep. kind of figure out what she needs to do to to protect Bran. Number two, they're in a forest. Yeah, yeah. she can climb up in a tree and jump down like Wolverine. <laughs> and I had the thought too that she might have. <laughs> I feel like the way it's played, it, it's almost a question of was she already there. Like waiting. I, for I, I think the idea is that she is there waiting because for the I think the way a lot of people like tried to read it in the moment or tried to to play it in order to make their their scathing hot takes about it, um, when in, afterwards after it aired, uh, is that oh she just like sprinted from out of nowhere and jumped on him. Where I feel like it works right. better if you see it as like oh she's um, waiting for the exact right moment. She's there and she's yeah. so she doesn't have to like sneak past. Yeah. And then, so, I don't know. Well, that's why I think, you know, that, that kind of makes Theon's death even sadder because she is waiting for the Night King to kind of get, number sure. one, closer to Bran, but also separated from his other guys. Yeah. So she kind of has to sacrifice Theon. That way the Night King is like, okay, it's all clear. Let me yeah. go kill him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was reading that people were confused about that, and I was like, she's the cat of the canals, dude. She can she can <laughs> jump around on rooftops. It's all good. Um. So, comment and then a question. Comment, uh, it's super awesome when Arya kills the Night King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. It's, I love the... the little knife trick that she did on Brienne. Yep. I love that. It's so satisfying. Totally loved it. Question, do we, how did you guys feel about the choice for it to be Arya as opposed to Jon or someone else? Because that I, that, think, that I think is a big yes, thing. Yes, and this is we. It, this is where the Mary Sue part comes in because Arya got it, yeah. not John. This is this is where those criticisms came from. In case you were wondering, sure. um, okay. they are very silly, obviously, uh, <laughs> and equally as dumb yes. as they were for Ray, sure. at least for the first two yeah. of those movies. Yeah. Um, I, no, I I remember because, and that for me um, is one. I, I was talking about the fact that like. This episode has has re like been reborn in my mind after all this mm-hmm. time of like being kind of weighed down by like oh maybe maybe the internet's right maybe it's not that good. Um, that moment, I remember watching that and thinking Alex to your point about like what if the what if the White Walkers had won? I remember being in that moment and thinking oh they're gonna they're just gonna have him win. What's gonna where are we gonna go with this? And then Arya just yeah. shows up and me like what. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I think it's, it's brilliant. I think it's, it's, it, they give you just long enough between the last time we saw her to kind of like make that, that leap and understand, um, that she, she had enough time and also that we had enough time to forget about her. Um, yeah. and the fact that she's in play for that. Uh, right. and I think it works perfectly because I don't think 
this is looking ahead a little bit, but I don't think there's another moment that works so well for her to make her mark um, and, no, and pay and, off and, everything she's been doing up to this point. Um, yeah, and and if if I were to throw a criticism uh, a, about her storyline, it's that it kind of I don't want to say it ends here, but it, like her big important yeah. action in this season is is over. Yeah, like that was it. Yeah. Um. And Which, I think that makes pros and cons to that. That but. makes so much sense in terms just because of all the the aligning it with she's the enemy of death or she yes. like has yeah. this uh, relationship with the god of death and like the embodiment of death and obviously the the fact that she gets to say not today right before she does it is uh, yeah. brilliant. Um, yeah. I think it, it's a perfect way of slotting in that puzzle piece because I don't think that's well the Night King. In this form, a different character, and we've talked about this on the podcast, a different character is called the Night King in the books. This Night yeah. King, in terms of a guy who is leading the army, does not exist in the books, at least up to up to the point of what's been released. Because um, obviously the Night King was introduced fairly late into the show as well. Um, it's okay. We'll never know if there's a Night King in the books. You're probably we'll correct. we the other books. <laughs> well, well, we might get one more book, and then it's going to be like, Ah, everyone has moved two feet, and we've introduced fifty <laughs> new characters. Um, man, I hope so. I hope. I hope we the actually. Book get is something. just called Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as I was writing my next book, I just wanted, you know, I wanted the simplicity. You know, I, I, I've got my fancy titles and whatnot, and I just thought Dorn. It's got a nice, nice, clean. I love the idea that he sets an entire book in Dorne and sprawls out of Dorne, and we never actually address anything else. We just hear news (laughs) of what happened to the characters we were following in the previous five books. (laughs) Oh, that'd be good. Um, (laughs) It really wouldn't, but it it would also be good. Um, Yeah, they say the Kingslayer is a centaur now. But anyway, (laughs) what are we going to do about these market prices? (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah. No, yeah, I think... uh, it's it's the perfect payoff to Arya's storyline, and I think it. Sure. John has like done enough to unite all these armies, and he has so much more of a role to play throughout the rest of the season. I think it makes a ton yeah. of sense to give this yeah. to Arya specifically as like the master assassin. We're like we've got, and I want to I want to talk about John sort of trying to trying to march up to the Night King and not being able to get there. We've got mm-hmm. the Night King who has been antagonizing John this entire time in the same way that any other villain can antagonize John because John is. A, a sweet dumb boy who just who just wants to hit mean guys with a sword um and i think that it works really well that the night king is like focusing on him because he's like oh this is the big you know he he's this this brash uh stupid man who's going to just keep trying to fight me and i'm going to keep outplaying him because he can't get a hold of his emotions you know i'm i'm totally just like toying with him and uh, he's the one I have to worry about, so I'm gonna like put him out of the way and 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 find all these ways to uh, put an obstacle between me and him, and then I'll be I'll be good to go. I'll I'll, I'll get to kill Bran, um, and so I think that works really well to have her insert into the the storyline at this time because, and I just remembered why I brought up the books in the first place before we got on the tangent <laughs> because uh, the Night King does not exist in the books, so the show had to actually like figure that out. So yeah, we don't know necessarily where Arya is going in terms of the books and what that payoff is going to be if she has any sort of like major payoff for her storyline. So I think this was a really smart place for them to be like, ah, we can we can shift that in there. I think they said they figured this out around like uh, season four, season three, season five, mm. somewhere in that yeah. middle. 
<laughs> section. Um, so they've been kind of knowing it was coming for a while, but I think they they had to figure that out on their own. So I think that was a smart decision by them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, definitely think it works with an Arya story. And I think if we're just thinking about the question of who gets to kill the Night King, like if you had just asked me and I didn't know anything, Britain who kills the Night King, I'll go, oh, well, I assume it's John. And so if it had been John, like, yeah, sure, that would have made sense. That would have worked. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't really have been that surprising or dynamic or it's not that it wouldn't have been interesting, but it wouldn't really have been anything. It would have been like, yeah. right, sure, I got it. Right. And so to to change it, I think, is, is more interesting. But also, I don't know who else it should have been. Like, mm-hmm. it, it w- there's not another character in that, in that show aside from John that would really make sense, you know, yeah. Un- unless it was some extreme thing like Daenerys kills him right before she dies in battle or something well, crazy. But I, I like, and, and this is like a really cool way that I, that subversion really plays into things because I think Daenerys and Jon both get really powerful moments. Like they get their moments with the Night King. It's just not killing him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think in terms of audience investment, and I know, you know, people don't like this episode, but whatever. I I, I do like this episode overall. <laughs> um, I really like that those moments because we do raise the question of like, oh, can Dragonfire kill him? And Bran's, I love the, when Bran's just like, I don't know. Nobody's ever tried. <laughs> <laughs> and so like we get that really cool moment of, of her just like staring him down and, and like getting vengeance on him and it doesn't work. Like yeah. I think that's yeah. like a really really cool moment. And I you know I've got my problems with sort of the dragon sections of of this episode, but I thought that was really really neat. And then yeah, Tyler just the that that sprint where John has landed and he's just trying mm-hmm. to get to the Night King as he's slowly raising up the dead around him. It was so so great. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like just you know once again i have my my problems with with certain characters having plot armor but john running through winterfells it's getting destroyed and then like basically having to stare down the zombified dragon mm-hmm. and be like oh i can't i'm not going to be able to do this oh oh that sucks like it really it does play into oh they're going to lose mm-hmm. like it i was I, yeah. I i felt like that was just really really effective and a really cool detail that i noticed this time that i missed the first time it aired is that uh Viser- dead Viserion has blue fire coming out of his neck which is cool where he's yeah. where he's been ripped up by uh Rhaegal, oh, yeah uh or Jermon, he looks, he looks it. yeah it was a cool it was so like, you can see it and like around his face yeah he's got like half a mouth and so you can yeah. see it kind of like puffing up around his head i i did want to ask the question because i once again it's hard especially like in fantasy worlds to have the logic be consistent Mm -hmm. we've been shown sometimes the dragon fire like destroys buildings and stuff but here like john's able to hide behind a wall when the dragon right like when it's breathing fire at him and that was i think it's that the 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 wall was out of like the the radius or whatever of the the cone of effect yeah, that John had I, gotten I into the into the, the the green zone, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, that that's yeah. that's something you could probably easily throw a no prize at. But sure. I, that was something I thought of at the end because I was, I was, I was not, you know, I was I wasn't being a fully invested fan <laughs> like Tyler. I was a little more disappointed that John didn't kill the zombie dragon than that John didn't kill sure. the Night King. That would have been so cool. John. Also, I was really shocked at the reveal that the Night King is a Targaryen. 
So <laughs> that I was, oh, I was like, and it, it when, was when, when the fire followed didn't... by the reveal that everyone is a Targaryen. Yeah, but when the fire and when didn't everyone kill is him, a Targaryen, no one's a Targaryen. True. When the fire didn't kill him, I was like, it would be so great if Daenerys was like, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! I'm Ray, Ray Targaryen. Um... <laughs> Targaryen. Targaryen. I'm Ray, Ray Night King. Wait, what? <laughs> what? You know about Night Kings? <laughs> the uh, let's let's talk about if if this is a, a place for people to go. Uh, pe- people want to go. I, I, I'm I'm rambling. It's fine. Jorah. Jorah uh, has a big standoff yeah. uh, against a bunch of whites, and also I, I, I don't know how he gets to Daenerys, but it's really cool that he's yeah. his last act is defending her against yeah. just like this endless wave of monsters. And uh, also, there's some great shots of Drogon throwing off whites in in the midst of that as well. Yeah. Um, that looked quite good. And also, <laughs> and also Daenerys picking up a sword and mm-hmm. she's stabbing some people in the I background too. Like I, I loved that they didn't like damsel her; that she was like, yeah. I'm going to do it. And she takes down a few of them. That was great. I've got my nice white fur coat. I've got yep. a Valyrian steel sword. Let me shank some people. I, I came here to burn... Well, I don't know. <laughs> burn, burn whites and chew bubble gum and maw out of gum. But yeah, I, I... I just talked about how much I love Jorah, but I always assumed he wouldn't survive the series. Like, mm-hmm. him getting a heroic death protecting Daenerys makes such such total sense like I could have predicted that at any point in the series and I do not mean that as a as a criticism of the show I just mean like oh yeah that is such a fitting in for his character right um, mm-hmm. yeah I was obvious apparently right before he was supposed to film that scene Ian Glenn heard that his wife had suffered like a near fatal brain aneurysm and I believe she's okay but he had to like so he left for like two weeks to go be with her before mm-hmm. he everything was okay and he could come back and film that scene, hmm. um, which is wow. just uh, wild. But yeah, I mean, just big ups for Jorah. I just love him so much, and I, I that I found a very like fitting. Like I'm sad about it, but I was also like, no, this is this is kind of how your story should end. Like yeah. this, this yeah. makes sense to me. So yeah, I'm I'm good with. Leanna, I was like, well, Leanna could have lived. But with Jorah, I'm like, no, this was this is what had to happen. So. Yeah. It, it felt like Sir Barristan's, like, death in oh. that final fight, but, like, times ten. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why, why does Melisandre... I know why Melisandre dies, because she's like, I'm going to go be old and naked in the snow, and then that kills her. <laughs> why do we find out... Like, why does she die? I don't understand that whole... Well, she's just like my time. Her, my time on this earth is through. Yeah, she's basically like killing herself. I mean, she her yeah. her place on her place is done. Like she was here to okay. bring to try to bring people together to kill. Uh, yeah, the, the army of death and uh, the vibe. The vibe I got, and particularly with that one scene where it is revealed, like she is like this very very old decrepit woman, mm-hmm. and she like j- is just trying to get some sleep. Um, <laughs> a, like a season or two ago. Yeah. Um. I, I always got the vibe that like she wants to die, but she has to fulfill this purpose first. Yeah. And she mm. like like the only thing keeping her alive is this weird magic, and otherwise she would like to live out just like this normal life and and grow old and and die. So interesting. Yeah, that's okay. that's the that's the vibe I got from that. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'll buy it. All right. I want to. <laughs> 
If if we don't have any other major things, I want to end with uh, two two last biggish things. One that is like my only problem with this episode that I realized that uh, we haven't managed to bring up yet. Um, and then is it the crypt? Yeah. Uh, and then I have I have one more praise that I noticed uh, while watching. So um, I'll throw that out there. But um, yeah, the crypts. I am bothered by the fact that they're just played straightforward in like the sense of ah uh, yes, the the old zombies down there turn up and they start killing people. Um, I think that there's a lot of different ways you could take that that would be more interesting. Um, yeah. And specifically, I had I have really two thoughts on this. I feel like, because this was, I think, a theory going into it, because people were kind of picking up on the fact that in the first two episodes, they said a lot of the times, you'll be down in the crypts where it's safe. Um, mm-hmm. th- I feel like either A, um, this star- the dead Starks should have actually fought for the people down there. I think that would have been really mm. um because and I don't think it would have been too difficult to relay. You could have just had Sansa be like, "They're fighting for us," and then you, maybe you start to like veer into, "Well, why isn't Dead Ned Stark fighting for him?" And uh, that becomes right. more uh, see, not necessarily a thing you would want to do. Although I guess he wouldn't have a head. I don't know. That's more <laughs> difficult. I think you could have easily just said, "Have the whites start? They they break in through the door upstairs and they start to run down." And then they start shattering at the like entrance to the crypts the same way they did at the entrance to the uh, Thread Raven's tree. Um, mm. I feel like you could just be like, there must be a magical protection here. It's the it's the the home of the ancestral home of the Starks. You know, like they've they right. put the protections here. And then you don't you don't have to have that be like, well, then why isn't everyone getting down there? Because you can still have like an the army of the dead just like waiting there like pressing up against this bar- this invisible barrier and you can use the exact same effect of like they start to charge through but they they shatter instead yeah. and so that like calls you back and makes you think of oh this is we're lining up these are the same thing um and then you just have it be like okay they're they're safe down there because i feel like as it is um it's it's annoying that they didn't think of that they didn't they didn't think of the fact that you know there are dead bodies down there as well um, and it doesn't really serve any purpose. We don't, no one dies because of it. That is like a character yeah. we know it, you know, they, they kill off a bunch of random minor characters and somehow the rest survive through the rest of the battle. I feel like you could have just had them be like trapped in this little pocket as everything gets overrun and they assume like, and then you can draw <laughs> that for tension in a very similar way that you could use, you could, or that they did with like Blackwater. Sure. Um, where you've got Cersei and Sansa. Uh, which I feel like is sort of what they're calling back to, but I think you could really drive that home and just have them be like stuck. And they're like, we, and then you could still have them question, do we want to kill ourselves because we can't get out of here? Um, And like, I think that becomes a more interesting. And then again, that ties into the um, the thing with uh, believing that the dead are actually going to win because you're like, well, there are some survivors and if you have that in your mind, you know there are some people who are, like, completely safe, then that can even further heighten that tension of, like, oh, are they, you know, are they, are is the dead army going to win and then continue marching on? And then these people are going to have to be the one, ones left to pick up the pieces. Because um, it's, like, Sansa and Varys and Tyrion and Missandei um, and Gilly. And Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like that's a thing that you could use to very good effect. Um 
and and find more interesting ways to use it in ways that don't make the characters look i mean i guess they would still be making the exact same decision it would just have a better outcome but i don't know i i feel like that could be one interesting way to handle that um and add a little bit of mystique to the starks and and winterfell because i feel like we we didn't get any major revelations about the Starks and Winterfell that we probably will get in the books because the books imply that they're a lot more like magic tied, mm-hmm. magic oriented. Um, so there's my rant. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. Because I, 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 that that as it happened in the show, it was just like extra tension and what's going to happen with no real cost, no real price, nothing really. Like you said, nobody. Not that I wanted any of those characters to die. Yeah, but like it. it having the dead rise up in the crypt didn't lead to a character death, nor did it lead to a moment of like heroism where Sansa stabs a white or something. It just kind of was like extra tension that makes it feel like this was avoidable. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I I feel you. Yeah, that's, that's, that covers everything that I had. Um, the the one other thing that I realized this time that I, I wanted to say, um, Alex, you had mentioned I think very validly last week about how the White Walkers uh, dying with the um, or dying and taking all their whites with them is very a Avengers, which is in turn very Phantom Menace. Um, but, yes, <laughs> and I think I realized watching this that I feel like it really earns that. Um, specifically because all the characters kind of know the stakes before, and they're like, okay, we've got to set up a plan to draw the Night King out and kill him. Um, and we, we've we got these setups in place that are going to allow us to do that, and they all fail. You know, we try the dragon fire, John tries chasing right. after him, John can't get to him. Um, basically, like, they, the entire battle is centered, centered around trying to draw him out and get him to fight, and... It's not working, and that's what's, like, so... I mean, it is very um, Infinity War, in a way, where it's, like, you've got all these people trying to stop Thanos from getting division, and they all fail. And, like, I think yeah. it's a very similar boat. Well, in, in, in now that I'm thinking about it in kind of the two examples that we kind of threw out earlier, um, I think this one works the best because we do actually get time and we get plot developments mm-hmm. to explain that. Mm-hmm. Because in Phantom Menace, at the end, they're just like, yeah, we'll just blow up the droid control ship and they'll, they won't know what to do. They'll just, like, <laughs> stop working. Yeah. And it's like, well, how do you know that? <laughs> and they don't, they don't even answer that. Yeah. And in Avengers, it's just like, oh, blow up the thing so the portal will disappear. And the fact that the Chitauri all just, like, fall apart yeah. is just, like, secondary. Yeah. Like, that's just, like, an afterthought because, hey, the movie's over. Yeah. Um, whereas this, it's just like, Oh, we build up the fact that that the actual White Walkers, you kill them, and it takes out the ones that they created, that they turned. And so the Night Kings created all of them. So, like, continued plot developments to help build it up. And I I think that that helps kind of mitigate some of my issues with that. And like you said, they they do earn that much more so than those other examples. So, yeah. I thought that was neat. I, re- I realized that, and I think that's part of what made it so effective for me this time around. It's like, okay, this is what the battle's about. They understand this, and so, like, yeah. we understand the stakes a lot better. Um, yeah. And one other thing that I just thought of, I know I said I had two two things. I had three things. Um, I do want to mention about, now that we've talked about the different deaths in this one, um, this is, like, the only battle in Game of Thrones where, like, major characters die, um, which is, I think, why I, I have a hard time 
having too much of a problem with the fact that no one else dies. Because this one, we've got Theon, Jorah, Beric, uh, Liana, and Ed. Um, Theon and Jorah have been here since, like, episode one, maybe episode two for Jorah. Um, no, episode one. Episode one, yeah. yeah. Um, Beric's been here <laughs> sort of since, uh, since season one, but, like, right. since season three. <laughs> um, Ed's been here since season one, I believe, or maybe two. Um, mm-hmm. Something like and, that. And then Liana's been here for a couple of seasons, obviously the most minor, yeah. quote unquote, of all of them. But, um, yeah, like the, the, those are very significant, like shakeups yeah. to everything. Um, whereas if you go back to like Blackwater, uh, nobody dies except for the Kingsguard that we don't know that Podrick stabs in the back of the head, I guess. Um, yeah. Like obviously other people die. I'm talking about named characters. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Davos's son. I guess you can throw that out there. Sure. Um, the Wanderers on the wall. We kill. We do mm. kill a handful of like minor. Uh, the biggest character is Egret, and then we kill a handful of minor. Uh, yeah, yeah, Egret and Gran. I would say Grand are the Pip. biggest. Yeah. Um, and so like the Battle of the Bastards is like basically just one one. Um, if I'm not forgetting yeah. anybody else, and so there. Basically, this is why this has never been a problem for me. Is that there's never been a point of the show where they've really used battles to like cull characters. Like the, this one feels impactful to me because it's like, oh, we now had characters who didn't survive. <laughs> like we we finally hit that point, right? Um, and so I thought that was interesting. I hadn't thought about that a while ago and wanted to bring that up. Yeah, it's the yeah, fact yeah, that I think true. that's kind of overblown because, like, I it, most of the time I would say with this show, it would bother me because the show is so ready to kill off characters. But the show has never really shown a, a readiness to kill off characters in battle. It's usually like some some sort of malfeasance happens outside of battle. You know, the, it, again, that's very yeah. much George R. R. Martin's philosophy of like oh, we want to kill people, you know, while they're having a drink, as opposed to like in the traditional right. big flashy heroic thing. And so the fact that we get several major characters going out in a blaze of glory, I think, is a lot of fun and, and uh, yeah, makes this hit a little harder. So. Yeah, well, because that's true. Because Ramsey didn't die in battle; he died afterwards. Exactly. Yep. And then the other, and the other events where multiple major characters died are the Red Wedding mm-hmm. and uh, the blowing up the Sept, which aren't mm-hmm. battles. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess as as I'm thinking about that and kind of um, you know taking on the points that you raised, Tyler, I, I think yeah, the, those are those are reasonable. I I can, I can agree <laughs> with those for the most part. Um, I, th- I think it's more just kind of circling back to, you know, when John's running by sure. and it's just like that complete onslaught and just that visual, I think, is, is a bit much. Yeah. And it's just like, well, the show, I, I know it, it is a battle, but the show is is not against killing off main characters sure. when logic deems that they should go out. Yeah. Um, so I think that's that's more my, my issue than you didn't kill off enough <laughs> of our leads. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because when I was reading, people were upset about that. I was like, "Well, who do you consider a major character? I guess like Tyrion, John, Daenerys, Sansa, Arya, and Bran. Like, is it is it them? Because like, I definitely consider Theon and Jorah to be major supporting characters, but mm-hmm. still major. But yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Any other <laughs> thoughts? Uh, no grades this week. Will. We'll pick that up next week. Uh, despite all of my criticisms and a lot of nitpicking and, you know, 
kind of kind of the snarky online complaints. Um, so we got to raise them somehow, you know. Someone's got to got to represent. I, I do think these <laughs> these three episodes, for the most part, are, are really solid, and I think people are just very very dismissive of a lot of the hard work and effort that went into this, and it. You know, at least these three episodes, it doesn't feel like D and D or like, <laughs> you know, putting in half the effort. You know, yeah, it, yeah. it feels like everyone is still trying very hard to make all of this work. Yeah. Um, and I think for the most part, it does. It's just, you know, little things here and there that that kind of annoyed me. But it didn't it didn't ruin the overall experience of these three episodes. And I still think they're they're really really good additions to the show. <laughs> Yeah, I know that this is kind of where the season turned for a lot of people, but for me, I, I'm still having a great time. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, I'm totally, I'm feeling it. So, you know. Um, anybody got a recommendation? Because I do. Brack. Um, I don't think I have anything this week. I haven't I I watched anything new. Tyler, well, you guys watched Shaun of the Dead over the weekend. What'd you think? Dead. Oh, we did watch Shaun of the Dead. Well, I can't good. remember what happens like a day ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, it was a good movie. Re- it was a very good movie. Good movie. Yeah. Um. Well, this is uh, a recommendation for if you like fantasy things that are sweet and nicer. Uh, Netflix has a an animated. I guess it's technically a miniseries. There's only one season called Hilda based on Luke Pearson's comics. Um, it's about a little girl who goes on adventures, and it's very British and very funny and charming and really cool twists on fantasy lore and just a really fun uh, adventure. But I learned today that Hilda is voiced by Bella Ramsey, who played Leon ah. Mormont. Yeah. And I did not realize that before, but I love Hilda. It's one of my go-to autumn programmings. Uh, so if you're out there feeling the autumn breeze uh i would say get out of netflix and check out hilda it's a good Cute. time there are very tiny elves and <laughs> leanna mormont it's great and one of her friends his one of his defining character per, uh, traits is that he always gets bugs on him and whenever they meet they have to do a bug check and get the bugs off of them it's pretty and good. it's adorable and british it's good. so hilda good i'm glad yeah and next next week, guys, we're we're finishing it off. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we man. also we we've got a, a Halloween special in the pipeline for next week as well. So we will, uh, if all goes well, get out two episodes next week. Um, pretty excited. And uh, yeah. that's that. You can find us online at Here Come the Sequels blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCT Sequels. Uh, you can email us at Here Come the Sequels at gmail.com. We're also on iTunes and SoundCloud and Spotify. We're just, you know, we're filling up those podcast feeds. So, <laughs> He's right. We are. <laughs> Good. All right. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we're so good at this. <laughs> I've been Alex. I've been Britton. I've been Tyler, and you're having a long night.